The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, hi, everyone. This is uh, the convention of the American Council of the Blind of Maryland. I'm Jane Corona, and with me is the unnamed person who isn't speaking, Patrick Sheehan. Where is he? Anyway, um, I can talk enough for both of us. Um, anyway, um, welcome, everyone. We have quite a few attendees. I don't think they're all here now, but throughout the weekend, there will be many people attending. Uh, we have 39 presenters. And uh, I think it was 101 attendees. So we're very pleased that that so many people have wanted to to spend at least part of their their uh, weekend uh, with us here in Maryland. And do you think things go better if I get off mute? You think my it first probably would. You nearly gave me a heart attack, you know. But actually, I've spent the last couple of months in a low grade of terror because. Um, doing this convention and being on air all this time is is very frightening to me, and I don't I don't like it. Um, but then this week, my terror ratcheted up quite a bit because I I had surgery on my hand yesterday, and I thought, oh my God, there's going to be a big bandage on my hand. I'm not going to be able to read. I'm not going to be able to write Braille. I'm not going to be able to type. What am I going to do? But luckily. The bandage isn't as big as I feared. And so, which is a good thing for all of you, because if we had waited for Pat to read the program, um, by we'd next be, year, we would still be on the first presentation. So you're lucky that you've got me with all the pieces of Braille that are, they're sitting all over my desk. I have lists of everything. I've got the program. I have the list of um all the attendees, everybody has a number. I'll tell you about the door prizes in a minute. I have the list of sponsors. I have a list of all the presenters' phone numbers so that if one of them doesn't show up, the wranglers can can go out and call them. So I have lists. I like lists. So, and I just wanted to say welcome to everybody. And Jane, it's good to be back with you this year again. You were just here last for, year this time. For our, I know, for our third year. And, you know, this is great. And we appreciate ACB Media uh, working with us this weekend and and being able to put this out on a stream nationwide. So, so so we have I think what I consider to be a really really good program and we usually have set this program up uh, in in two parts. Uh, the first part we've got a list of uh, people coming on tonight and you can go through that list in, in a few minutes. And then of course tomorrow we have. How many sessions? What is it? Six or seven sessions all count. day long? They yeah, go yeah. from nine o'clock in the morning until six o'clock in the afternoon. It's one hour um, sessions. So, so. But, and we're very pleased that uh, I think we've, we've the convention committee that has put this on for Maryland has really done a spectacular job, uh, you know, getting the people together. Jane, do you want to go through who's on that committee? On our convention committee. Okay, let's see if I can remember all of us. Mm -hmm. um, our, our committee chair is Meryl Schechter. Everyone knows Meryl from the ACB community and teaching Spanish. Um, then we have Sandra Sermons, who is our door prize maven. I'll talk about door prizes in a minute. 
Um, Patrick Sheehan is on our committee and Vanessa Lowry. And I'm the detail person. I keep the spreadsheets and, and all that stuff. And Terry Nettles is on our committee this time for the first year. We, we welcome all of her input. And I think that's all of us. We, we've worked really hard for the last few months. We meet, we've met every Sunday for the last couple of months and, and we've gotten everything all, all together. And I think, oh, we're glad it's just finally time. <laughs> but I'm happy that, that we have a chance now to, to present this to, uh, to ACB, really nationwide on the, the participant has enabled closed and captioning. Close. You can see this transcript to, uh, recording on Merrill press CMD plus that. to open pop up. Was it a couple of years ago? She told us that we wanted to be on media. And ever since then, we, we really had a good time. Yeah, so. we hadn't even thought about it two years ago. Being on ACB media, we were terrified. Yeah, but scary. it worked out so well. And last year worked out well. And this year, hopefully, will work out just as well, if not better. So. Yeah. So, so going through, I don't know if you want to run through a little bit. Let me of talk what? about the door prizes first, okay. because I've said twice that I was going to do that. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, you do that. I'm going to go on mute and sip some coffee. Okay. But just so you long as you come back, don't leave me on here by myself. Anyway, um, everybody who is either an attendee or a presenter has been given a number from one to 140. And when it's time for Miss Sandra to do her door prize thing, uh, she says she has many door prizes. So when it's time for a door prize, um, the, the um, Echo device over here will give me a random number between 1 and 140. And that person will win whatever door prize that is. You do not have to be present to win. We will ship it to you. And that's why when everyone registered, I got their address so that we'll know where to send it. Um, so um, um, if you win a door prize, we'll, we'll be responsible for sending that to you. So that's door prizes. Are you back from drinking your coffee yet? I am back finishing my coffee, yes. Okay, We're, that's We good. are in good shape. So um, we have gone through, and we've tried to make it varied, I think, from year to year, uh, what we call the virtual exhibit area that we have tonight. Um, trying to get a mix of technology uh, and services and high-tech and low-tech. And uh, the, the format that we sort of hit on was allowing folks to, uh, who want to present to give them 30 minutes to go through what the topic area is that they are going to be covering and so explain it to us. And, and we hope, you know, usually it's 20 minutes for, the, for them to present and maybe 10 minutes for, for um, questions at the end. And so uh, we look forward to that. Uh, you want to go through who our presenters are going to be and, okay. and what time they start? Okay. Um, at five o'clock, our first presenter is Capital Area Guide Dog Users, which is the, the local um, GDUI affiliate. And they're they're just joined after after a long absence, they have joined um, as an affiliate of ACB of Maryland. So we're happy to have CAG do back. Um, 5.30 to 6 o'clock, as I turn the page, we have um, Paul Burden from Waymap. Uh, and they're mapping the, the whole DC system and all around DC. And you'll hear about Waymap. It's an indoor navigation. That'll be fun. I might even take the subway. Um, at from six to six thirty, 
we have Todd Tolson, president of Blind Muse, and he's doing a lot of interesting things. You'll be interested to hear about that. Um, and then uh, at seven, 6.30 to 7, um, Ansel and Sonia Torres from the Torres Foundation in Washington, D.C. And, and they're doing IT and training and a whole yeah. lot of uh, computer stuff. And so that's always a, an area that we need experts to help us out. And then after that, we're going to have a door prize. Original sound from musicians from is off. Seven, Noise oh, suppression is enabled. Counting five minutes for door prizes. Who knows? And from 7.05 to 7.30, um, we have Venkatesh Chari from Orbit Research. I love my eye bills. I really do. Um, and and, uh, and they, they make the Orbit Reader and Orbit Writer. Uh, he'll be talking about those and what they're, what's going on at Orbit Research. From 7.30 to 8, we're going we're gonna to learn about exercise. Ro Mobley, the owner of Iron Girl Athletics. Um, and then from 8 to 8.30 is Anthony Corona. It always freaks me out when I hear his name because my father's name was Anthony Corona, but it's spelled C-A-R-O-N-A. -A, and Anthony, of course, is C-O-R. So every time I hear his name, I think they're talking about my father. And it freaks me out. He's the uh, um, National Education Outreach Coordinator for Democracy Live. And then from 8.30 to 9, we have a presentation, a recorded presentation from LeaderDog about all the programs that they have at, at LeaderDog. And that is Friday. And then tomorrow morning, we'll start here again with our pre-convention patter at 8.30, and we can tell you what's going on tomorrow. But We'll keep you in suspense about tomorrow right now. So this is what's going on um, tonight. Very good. And then, you know, there's a couple of, of those uh, um, presentations that I'm really looking forward to. I've always been enjoyed. I've always enjoyed um, technology, even though sometimes it gets the better of me. So the, so the internal GPS, I think, has just been fascinating. We've been seeing lots of area where lots of areas where that can be used and and I know that this is an area that uh, you know they came to Washington to, to start looking at it and implementing it but it's also something that uh, ACB is really behind and so it's nice to be a pilot site for something like that so we'll see where that goes and we've seen lots of uh, GPS internal systems in the past uh, let's hope this one can take off. You know what we haven't done? Uh, we have some sponsorships. We have some people, even though our registration is free this year, because we wanted to reach out to more people and it really helped. We've got more people this year as attendees than we've ever had. Um, so, but we did have some people um, sponsoring at different levels. Um, so mm -hmm. I'd like to read their names. Uh, maybe we'll read them again. Uh, throughout sure. the weekend so that you know people will be also as grateful as we are for the support of these people um from the ten dollar platinum um category uh we have marcia moses for the fifty dollar silver category we have roberta mccall uh gary and shirley messman sue crawford and uh, just a side note um we lost shirley messman last week so um, she's no longer with us, and, and we extend our heartfelt sympathy to her husband, Gary, and um, hope that, that um, he'll be 
um, get through this, this sad time. And, and we're all going to miss Shirley. She was my book buddy. We always talked about books. So we're going to miss Shirley. Um, the $75 gold sponsorship is Patrick Sheehan. Um, so I figured if he's going to be on here talking all the time, he might as well pay for the privilege, right? Uh, right. And then the the hundred dollar or more titanium, we have Christine and Doug Hunsinger. We have Helping Hands for the Blind. We have Chris Peterson from Penny Forward, and that's all we had so far. And we very much appreciate all of the support from all of these people who uh, who believe in in what we do and and uh, believe that we can put on a really cool convention three years in a row. So. And so thanks so much for all of them. You know, one of the things that, that in talking with the exhibitors that are going to be coming and talking to us in the next 15 minutes or so, and, and even some of the participants that we had um, as our part, conference uh, people tomorrow, it's just so nice to be able to talk to them and to tell them what we're doing. And you know why we want them to speak. I was talking to uh, someone today, and she was just thrilled that to 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 know that the work that they are doing uh, is appreciated by us, and that we get so much out of it. And and I I find that uh, you know not only um, with within the blindness community, but even in the in, in other areas that I volunteer, like transportation, or whatever. Um, folks are, are trying to help out and do their best. And when they're working in an area that increases accessibility, uh, just saying thank you and letting them know that we appreciate their efforts and that it, it means an awful lot is, is great. You know, I see so much of that in some of the work that I've done in the audio description arena. Uh, you know, the, the uh, audio describers to me um, are very akin to like narrators that we see in the talking book area. And so it's, it's, you know, it's just great that they're providing that kind of access so that when you, you know, if you're sitting down uh, to watch television or you're walking into a museum or something like that, you're really being provided the same level of access. And I, I just find that uh, the work that is done, the professionalism that is behind it, uh, is just great. And, and I think you're going to see that uh, with the exhibitors that we have tonight, uh, you know, we, we've got some people that are really excited about the work that they do uh, and what they're contributing to the community. And I, I think that's, you know, a tribute to them, their efforts. And, you know, for them to come on a Friday night and to spend this kind of time with us, to me, it's just great. And being able to take a program that we have tomorrow, uh, which we have a lot of, it's a real varied program got some tech stuff in there and non-tech you've got some games and fun you know we've got uh, areas uh, where we try to to work on diversity equity and inclusion and we are hopefully getting better you know it's 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 a work in progress and it's something that that we are uh, trying to do better with in Maryland and we haven't done as good as we could but I think we're getting better so we have we have work to do uh, but I'm really pleased with, with our program. And certainly if there are areas uh, that folks think we can do better in, we certainly uh, appreciate the, the input criticisms and, uh, and, and uh, if things are working good, then say thanks, yeah, that's good too. But I'm just so pleased with the, with the people who have agreed 
to participate in our programs. Like we have a bunch of, of CAGDU people here to talk to us, and Terry's going to tell us who they are. Yes, I am. Yeah. Very good, Terry. And Take I apologize away. for the clock in the background, people. But um, anyway, okay, so um, we are Capital Area Guide Dog Users. And on this panel, we have Cindy LeBon, who is our illustrious president. We have Sue Crawford, who is our wonderful uh, vice president. And I didn't see if Gary Legates is yes, here. Yes, I saw him. Okay, good. He's here. Oh, yeah. yay, Gary. And he was the, the past secretary, and now I'm the secretary. So, <laughs> but at any rate, we wanted to welcome everybody. Um, Pat and um, Jane, thank you so much um, for your fine and very wonderful um patter at the beginning to kick off this convention and just think we are the CAGDU is the one to kick off um in the um exhibitors so that's exciting so first we will hear from oh and i'm gonna wear two hats tonight um i will be wearing the hat of the um, moderator as well as the hat of one of the people on the panel but first we're going to hear from cindy Hello, everybody. Um, good to be here. And I am thrilled to have our other officers. I am here with Goodman, or as he prefers to be called, Mr. Goodman, my new guide dog, and our fabulous Vice President Sue Crawford with Peg, um, Cal Tag and Raisin, and Carrie with her uh, less than a year new guide dog, Carrie. Uh, and her guide dog Neville. Um, now, our secretary, our treasurer Joyce Feinberg, is sitting back counting all of our money. We have a very nice treasurer, and uh, he keeps us all in line so we don't overspend. And she does a fine job. We have a wonderful group of twenty-six members, and we have increased from eleven since July of twenty. 22 to 26 on Monday. We uh, recently, Marie Barinas, who is right now out working with her new guide dog at home training. And she, uh, she got a received him today, three o'clock. So she's not going to be able to be with us probably this evening, maybe later. And so uh, I just want to say, Carrie and Sue are going to give you an idea of who we are, what we are, what we do. I don't want to be a control freak. I think everybody in our affiliate, there is a job in there for everybody. And as Gary can tell you, he's been doing it as secretary. And he uh, is here tonight to work, go along with, uh, to guide Sue and Terry through everything and remind them what they forgot to talk about. And so um, I'm going to turn it over to Sue, Terry, and Gary, and I'm going to get out of here until tomorrow. I'll be here, though. Anybody has a question? I'll be here, but I think they're, they're very capable. And so I want to say thank you. And thanks, Terry, Sue, and Gary. Thank you. So go thank ahead. You, thank you, Cindy and Goodman. All right. You will hear from Cindy tomorrow. She's going to be on a panel um, at one o'clock. And it's going to be talking about rideshare and. Twelve o'clock. Oh, 12 o'clock. <laughs> 12 o'clock. I'm sorry. 12 to 1. No, that's, that's right. Okay. That's, okay. that's right. Well, yeah. And well, it'll be one o'clock somewhere. Yep, it will. 
<laughs> That's Sorry, right. Sorry, Terry. No problem. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, because we want to make sure that people come in here, Cindy, on this panel. So that'll be exciting. Okay. So, Sue, would you like to start off by saying some things? And Gary's going to talk to us about the history. So go ahead, Sue. <laughs> so Caltech and Raisin were, were furiously saying, you have to unmute. <laughs> so, um, so I have Caltech, who just turned 13. And of course, I have Raisin, who turned 11 in January. And I just want to say thank you to ACB Maryland for reestablishing that, that we're part of having a joint convention with them this year. It had always been our tradition. And I'm so glad that we're, you know, back to our traditional um, get together this year as well. So thank you to, to the board of ACBMD and the convention planning committee. So I think everybody in CAGDU is very happy about that. Um, I think a lot of us have been members of CAGDU for a very long time. And uh, back when it was Maryland area guide dog users. Um, I just like to do a shout out to, I was just in one of the community calls and someone asked if it was going to be streamed. And I said, yes. And they said, it's probably going to be streamed on um, eight, eight or nine. But if somebody can put that up on one of the listers that anybody who wants to, to listen to the convention on ACB Media, just listen to ACB Media 8. So, um, so Gary, why don't we go ahead and welcome you now, and then we can start to chit-chat a lot about what CAGDU is going to be doing. Gary, good evening. Uh, th thank you. Good, good evening, Sue. How are you? I'm doing well. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not as used to community calls as you are. You, <laughs> since you can speak to us in Latin if you wish. <laughs> Or there we go. But you might not understand it if I do. So I, I better yeah. speak pig Latin, maybe. I don't know. There you go. Um, yeah, that we would all understand, right? <laughs> this, this is this is really an exciting thing in a way. Uh, I was in Mag. Uh, I was in Magdu. I don't remember much about it. I remember having meetings and we talked about transportation a good bit. I remember that. But then we became CAG do. And I just think it's exciting because now we include DC and Virginia, and we're interested in getting more of you guys from D.C. and Virginia, and it's just the more we have, the more help we can be to each other, so. Right. Not only do we work, um, I mean, we support one another, and, and uh, any of our issues or concerns related to our guide dogs, we also do advocacy, and um, now we're going to have regular bi-monthly meetings, and I know Cindy has been very determined that we're going to have a speaker at each of our bi-monthly yes, meetings. And that's pretty exciting. Starting with our business meeting on Sunday, we'll have a speaker. Um, and who is that going to be, Terry, again? That's going to be Sarah Calhoun, who is the president of GDUI. And our business, I mean, our, our <clears throat> meetings, our, our uh, membership meetings are the third Tuesday of the month. And that's at 8 p.m. Another thing I think it's really exciting that we have now that we did not have before is this mailing list. Um, because now if you had a problem with your dog or if you wanted to know something about, you know, using a dog, you were a new user or maybe a problem, you could always 
right on that mailing list. If you see an article about guide dogs that is interesting, that you think would be interesting to members, you can post it. It's just a great way to keep in touch with what's going on and, and with what's happening with us. Gary, I think you were one of the people that was instrumental in establishing that listserv, right? Well, yeah. I guess I was as far as wanting it, and but Liz. I think Joyce, Joyce and Liz Joyce have and been Liz, the big yeah. ones that mm -hmm. really knew how to do it. I wanted mm -hmm. to do it, but they knew how. So Okay. We get by with a little help from our friends. And I great. asked Penny, because Penny, of course, was instrumental in forming Magdu and then Cagdu. So at some point she may be raising her hands and I would ask the I would ask the host at some point if she sees Penny's hand raised to go ahead and let her in. She's not a presenter, but of course she she's one of the foundational members of of CAGDU. So we have uh, a lot of advocacy that we do both with the federal government and state and local county government. Um, and so there's a lot that, that we need to be working on. And um, flying so with your guide dog and the U.S. the 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 use of the uh, the dot forms. Mm -hmm. The DOT, the DOT forms. A really yep. good thing we need to work on. We did some on this last year, but we need more. And that is the dog protection bills. And I, Virginia, I don't believe has one. And D.C. doesn't have one. And we don't have a very good one here in Maryland. So that's something we really want to work on is dog protection uh, bills for people mm -hmm. whose dogs are attacked or interfered with some kind of way. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, Gary. I have Penny here in the attendee side, and I'll give her permission to talk. Um, hey, Penny. Hey. Um, I would just warn everybody, I have new hearing aids that I got them an hour and a half ago, and I'm still figuring them out. So if you can't hear me or if I'm too loud, let me know. Uh, so um, what were we talking about? CAGDU and why we're here. Um, um, I think we started CAGDU, I think it was new at the, in, in the, when the century was new. So at least, at least 15 years ago. At least 20 and, years ago, yeah. Was it 20 years? Our first it president flies was by. Norman. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so our first question was, uh, president was Gary Norman. And then after Gary, Cecilia Warren was president. Um, and we did some cool things when Cecilia was president. We had a couple of in-person meetings where we got some training. And uh, I think we even had lunch one time. It was We had fun. the walks. We, we had walks. We, we yeah. did walks, yeah. yeah. Oh, and and Gary, fundraiser yeah. too, right? I mean, when Gary was president. We had amazing fundraisers with auctions with like really high end things, and uh, a lot of the Delta Gammas came to our auctions, and we made lots of money. Um, and one of our early projects was to start an a fund for emergency veterinary expenses, and that money is still here. But I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's an active program right now. But I think we're going to try to regenerate it. Yes. Um, and I know that GDY is also working on that kind of a program, but GDY, the parent organization, is still figuring out um, what we can do as a not-for-profit without jeopardizing our not-for-profit status. Mm -hmm. um, but that was cool. And we, we've been to the legislature at least three times that I can remember to testify on behalf of bills. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think Sue told you Sarah's going to be speaking on Sunday. She's uh, our president right now for GDY. She's a wonderful president. Uh, and I think the cool thing about CAGDU is that 
we're, uh, our community is so expanded because we have members in Maryland, but we also have members in Virginia and in DC. And I think it's great that we all work together on projects and get to know each other. Uh, I've gotten to know people in Virginia. I would have never known any other way. So that's been cool. Um, I can answer any questions or I can try to answer any questions. First of all, let me say um, that if anybody wants to know any more about GDUI or is interested in joining, you can go to, um, I'm not GDUI, I apologize. I mean, for CAGDA, you can go to the GDUI website at gdui.org and click yeah. on the um, affiliates page. And then when you get there, CAGDA is, is at the top of the list. And that's so wonderful. A new list that we and like a new discussion list, which is kind of cool. So when you join, if you join our discussion list, then we can all update each other on the latest news about guide dogs. Penny, this is Pat. I had a recollection. You're talking about some of the meetings that we were at, and I believe it was might have been Magdu, but maybe it was Cadu way back many years ago when Segways first came out. And we wanted to test to see how the how guide dogs would be would, would deal with these Segway machines. And so I think that was that was, was that a meeting said? that Cecilia Warren organized. Uh -huh. And it was it was a Maryland area guide dog users that held that meeting. Uh -huh. and, um, and and I believe she organized that. We were in a church parking lot. Right. We could so try out the Segway. Um, and and it, as I as I recall, I thought the dogs were bored looking, watching us move these things. They were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we thought it was going to be the end of the world. That segways were going to run over everybody, including guide dogs. And uh, <laughs> and as they kind of looked at us like, really, all you're doing is turning around in a circle. We were just kind of not very effective. But that was Mangu back then, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And Those Jane has her hand up on prior the to, uh, Prior to okay. uh, Zoom and all of that. Okay, Jane? I, I have a question. I'm not a member of CAGDU. I just haven't had a chance to do that. Um, if we have a case of discrimination, um, even if we're not a member of CAGDU, what can CAGDU do? To, I mean, I, I tried to change dentists today. I mentioned it before. And the, the dentist I wanted to go to because I could walk to his office, uh, they won't let my dog in the, in the exam room. And I don't quite know what to do about it. Um, I don't want to alienate them because I would like them to take me as a patient, but I want them to learn their lesson that they cannot do that. I tried to talk to the lady in the front office, but she, you know, didn't budge. So um, I want to know what, what can CAGDU do you if can anything. talk to the Advocacy Committee in GUI. We can put you in touch with them if you want. Okay, that would be good. And you but can I'm talk with anybody in, and you can oh. talk with anybody in CAGDU. I and mentioned course, it to Cindy, so. <laughs> right, and of course, and that's so And actually, dentist. it's my dentist, and I have <laughs> yeah. to keep, yeah, I, um, I keep my dog in a crate out in his, you know, in his waiting room because his rooms are small. Well, my dentist is a, already told me he's afraid of dogs, and I don't want anybody working on my teeth who's afraid of my dog. Right. So I can't I believe keep the dog that. in the waiting room as well. My dog, yeah. my dentist. I've had three different dentists, and they've all let my dog. Mine have two. Mine too. Mine too. 
Yep. I've never had a bit of problem with this. I mean, yeah, so I may doesn't change. cause any problem. He just lays. I've never had a problem. We take them out yeah. is when you take pictures. If you if you need to right. take yeah, the that, pictures, the then you get them out so they won't. Right. But exactly. I mean, I I've thought of asking them when you're going to the doctor or somewhere, would you leave your two year old child out in the waiting room? By or himself? would you leave your eyes in the waiting room? Really, yeah, that too. Yeah. So uh, this this situation's not over yet. Um, I think this. I think CAGDU would probably be happy to be supportive of any, any uh, ACBMD member. And uh, certainly anyone's welcome to join CAGDU at any time and GDUI. But this is very straightforward. The ADA went into effect in the last century, in 1990. It's been around a long time. And certainly dentist offices are covered under Title III of the ADA. It's very straightforward. It's not a gray area. It's, it's absolutely that they have an obligation <clears throat> to provide access. And they, you know, I, like Gary, I've never had a problem. No matter where I've been, I've never had a problem. So usually there's like a little chair or something in there and I can tether my dog there. Um, and they say, well, will your dog be upset if we work on you? I said, you know, my dog is perfectly fine if you work on me. I mean, he's terrified at the at the vet, but he, he you can do whatever you want to me. He's not <laughs> exactly. But uh, I always but, ask the dentist where he wants my dog. Like, yes, you want exactly. him on the yeah. right or on the That's left? That's what I've done or, too in the past. Whatever. Yeah, and they always say, "Oh, right there, put him back a little right further," there, and he just lays there and sleeps while they're drilling my teeth. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. I only started going to this guy because. And, and the same reason why Jane wanted to switch is because so we could just walk to the dentist and we could take the um, ride share thing out of the equation. But right. I, I don't want to have lift on Monday morning and then have him say no pets. So maybe what he'll do is he'll lose a customer with me, too, because um, I just went along with it and took my crate and did that, you know, because but I may just end up going to another dentist. Yeah. Well, one one other Car thing about CAGDU, you, you yep, guys, were, oh. I'm sorry, you were talking about CAGDU, and one advantage to CAGDU is this exact same kind of thing, because things are very different up here for me than what they are down there in D.C. or in the D.C. area. For you guys, you have floating bus stops. We don't even have bus stops up here. But I mean, that way, we can find out what you're doing. You can find out what we're doing. We can offer suggestions. It's just a great thing. I mean, and, and we can help too. each other with problems like this. Important. For all Jane knew, I might have had trouble with my dentist. For all I knew, she didn't have trouble with her dentist. So it's right. these type of things that let us know what we're facing. You know. And Penny, did you want to say something? No, I'm. I'm oh, I'm who afraid. was it who was saying? Oh, somebody. <laughs> this is Cindy. Cindy. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. First of all, my dentist loves my dog, and uh, second of all, she's even thinking of going into canine dentistry and switching over but you know Evelyn Liu who is a member of she hasn't joined CAGDU yet but I know she's planning on it she is a member of ACB Maryland her husband just recently retired as a dentist he has a guide dog he was my dentist too and I know several of our guiding eyes puppy raisers go, do go to a lot of the dentists in the area and it's a little different with a razor and a pup because they can say no. Most of them do not. But I know Dr. Liu, uh, while he was working as a dentist, he was very influential in talking to dentists in the region at different meetings that they would have about our dogs visiting their offices. 
So I, you know, if you're a dentist, maybe they didn't pay attention, didn't go or want to get out, but you can give them a copy of the ADA law. I try to keep it on me most of the time. Unfortunately, I do have to give it out every now and then, but um, we'll have to see what we can do about this. You know, it's an individual decision. Um, My dentist didn't say I could not bring my dog, but he said that he was afraid of dogs. Well, and that's he told saying me about he doesn't want you to bring the when dog. When he was a kid, and so, I just didn't want a nervous dentist to be working on my teeth. So, well, I go to a different dentist. I mean, I, I, have I can been certainly that. do that. I've been through that in an office working, where people say, and I go, "Okay, not my problem." You know, go to therapy. That's what I say. But <laughs> what I generally would say in a business like that is, you know, then I'll go elsewhere. But uh, fear and allergy. You know, you hear that on paratransit, you hear that in stores, you hear that everywhere. Those are excuses. My thing is, fine, you wear glasses, take them off. You know, you're in a wheelchair, get out and walk over here. You know, I'm sorry, but you are your best advocate. You know, you're the best advocate you can have. So we can, we'll have to follow through with this, um, Jane. You know, that's what we have committees for. Yeah. And you would, this is Sue, you would think. You know, it's 2023. You would think that, that you know, 30 some years after the ADA was passed, so there wouldn't be any need for any of this anymore. Mm-hmm. Everybody would have gotten the memo and would be fine. But and so, but that just shows that there's a need for our organization and what we do. And I think another important reason for our group is that we provide support to one another. It's very hard to face this kind of stuff day after day after day after day. And there's some weeks we do. And um, when we used to have in-person conventions, we'd all meet in the in the lounge and, and have a drink <laughs> and then just, you know, chit chat and, and provide the fellowship and support that we all need. And, um, you know, we, we, we'd be happy. I'd be happy to, to, you know, give a hip hip hooray to anybody who's just working with their dog to be independent, an independent member of the community, contributing to their to their local, county, state, federal efforts, and um, you know we're all citizens, and um, or or even here legitimately, and we, um, I guess I didn't mean to even go down that road. We're here. <laughs> we have guide dogs, and um, and I think they we need to and support. And we offer one support. Another. And also, right. I just wanted to say. Pat, you were going to say something. I'm just going to say that we have um, almost six minutes left. So after Pat says something, can we see if there, ask Monica if there's anybody that has their hands raised to ask any questions, please? Great, Terry. And I'll be short. I just wanted to echo what Sue says that, you know, not only do you provide support outside of your, your group, particularly as subject matter experts, and everyone within the group is an advocate but you also su- supply that support to each other. So it's it's a very close-knit group. Uh, I think, <laughs> was it, I forget, it was Cindy or maybe Sue? You guys said you had a, uh, a meeting, uh, I think it was last month or whatever, for two hours, and you said it was the best meeting. Very close-knit group, uh, very um, supportive of each other. Uh, and then, of course, uh, pretty fierce when they go out and they want to talk to other people that uh, you know want to want to um, yeah, take away their rights or say that uh, you know guide dog users don't have rights here, here, and here. 
So I think that that's important. The fact that they can not only do it in a in the state of Maryland, but the region, I think, speaks volumes because this is a unique, close knit region, and uh, what applies to one applies to all. Thanks. This is this is Sue. Before we open it up, since I open my mouth and put my foot in it, I just want to stress that the ADA applies to everybody who is in this country, regardless of any legal status. Okay, thank you, Sue. Um, and everybody else. Um, do we have any questions, Monica? Does anybody have their hand raised? Yes, we do. Joyce Feinberg has a question. Or a comment. Yeah, go ahead, Joyce. <laughs> it's more of a comment. Hello, everybody. Uh, if you want to find out more about Capital Area Guide Dog users, you can send an email to CAGDU, C-A-G-D-U, A-C-B, at gmail.com. So it's CAGDU, A-C-B, at gmail.com. And I guess we will sign off um, and, and go to the other ones because our next presenter will be coming up. So right. okay. not presenter, but our next, uh, next uh, well, it is a exhibitor. Yeah, yeah, exhibitor. So, so thanks, everybody. So uh, next on our agenda, I have the privilege of introducing Paul Burden, who is uh, vice president at Waymaps. And Paul is honchoing in this um, region uh, a indoor GPS system called Waymaps which uses a technology called LIDAR, which is light and detection range. And that's all I know about it, except for the fact that I do know that it is on the later, I think 12 or 13 uh, Apple, Apple uh, uh, iPhone uh, ca uh, cameras, that type of technology. But Paul, uh, it would be great for you to talk about what is Waymaps, how is it different from what we're used to uh, as far as GPS systems go. What in the world are we doing with it in the Washington DC area? And where do we expect to go with it uh, in the future? So welcome, sir. I'm real pleased to have you here. Thank you very much, Pat. Um, let me let me start by giving everybody my email, and I think we're we're recording, so uh, you'll you'll have it here. But let let me give it to you, and I'll give it to you again at the end of the presentation. My email address is paul burden b u r d e n at waymapnav.com. and <clears throat> I actually wanted to start out. Um, was something that is that is unrelated to Waymap, but uh, I think uh, it, it's a relatively new assistive technology being offered by Be My Eyes, and it's called uh, Specialized Help. Um, this is really a fabulous program that uh, Be My Eyes has has started, and what Specialized Help is is when you use uh, Be My Eyes. Um, as, as probably we all know, right? You go to a general pool of volunteers that, and I'm, I've been a volunteer for years at, uh, at Be My Eyes, and um, you get to ask general questions. Well, what, what Be My Eyes has done recently is, is they started this specialized help program. And what that does is it gets you to 
people that can help you from specific companies and they have uh, knowledge about, so Google is a client, Microsoft is a client, AARP, P&G, Sony, American Printing House, Verizon, I mean, it, and the list goes on and on. So instead of getting to, as I, as I say, the general pool of volunteers, um, you're going to get to subject matter experts that can help you. Let me give you an example. I spoke to the, the person at Sony that signed up with Be My Eyes. And what Sony does for, for uh, folks that are calling in on the Be My Eyes line is they'll help them with, um, okay, you've just opened a box of whatever electronics you've just bought from Sony. Uh, we can help you uh, put the right the right pieces in the right place. We can help you get this thing set up properly, um, that kind of thing. So uh, if you're a Be My Eyes user, just go to uh, tap on, when you open the app, tap on community. And there's all kinds of background information, as well as a list of all of the different uh, companies that have signed up and are now providing specialized help for their product or their service. Um, so I'd really encourage you to take a look at it because it, it's it's really pretty cool. Um, the second thing I would say is before before getting into the specific way map is um, I I have been for a long time and continue to be a, a huge fan of what. Uh, hold on, let me mute. You know who Alexa? Okay, um, of the Echo. Uh, as, as many of you may know, Amazon has a group called Alexa for All, and Alexa for All's charter is to create uh, skills. Uh, skills are to Alexa what, what apps are on our, on our smartphones. Um, and they're creating skills specifically designed to the visually impaired community. And they're doing very, very good work. Um, there's a hundred and 50,000 plus skills. Um, and so there, so all I'm doing, all I'm asking you to do is just give it, give it a shot. Uh, if you don't have an Echo device, um, I would encourage you to get one and just- There's one in the with, auction tomorrow night. I'm, there is one, oh, fantastic. There's one, there's an Echo show in the auction tomorrow night. An Echo show. So let me saying, give you, so an Echo show is a screen-based device. <clears throat> And um, here, here's an example of what the Echo Show will do for you. And I just muted my Echo Show right here on my desk. Uh, it's dinner time. You grab a can from the shelf. What are you holding? Are you holding tomato paste or are you holding cream corn? You hold the can up to the Echo Show and you say, Alexa, what am I holding? She'll say, you're holding Hunt's tomato paste. That's a 12-ounce can. It's 200 calories per serving and blah, 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 blah. Um, the, probably the most important thing, and I used to have a little company that, that would program Echoes for people. Um, Alexa, I need help. Alexa comes back and says, who should I contact? And we coached all of our clients to say, everybody. And a call goes out to everybody on the list and says, Mrs. Jones is in distress. She needs help. Please call 911 and get to her as soon as possible. And there's that that's just the tip of the iceberg. So anytime I speak to a group about uh Waymat, I always like to bring up uh, the Echo as well because it's it's just a fabulous device and it keeps getting smarter and smarter. Okay, on to on to Waymat. 
and and Pat, that was a <laughs> that was a very good introduction because the first question probably everybody's asking themselves is in a world full of nav apps, why do why do we need another navigation app? Um, and the answer is really uh, as follows, right? So Google Maps, Apple Maps, whatever whatever nav app uh, is is happens to be your favorite. That application was designed for the masses. Waymap at its at its very core is designed for um, visually impaired and blind users. So so Tom Pay is our founder uh, and CEO. Um, Tom uh, he himself is blind, and so what distinguishes Waymap from a typical uh, nav navigation application? Well, there's there's a couple of things. Um, the first is accuracy. So we've all we've all had the experience, right? We're meeting a friend for lunch or whatever the case may be. You're using your 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 nav app, and then you hear you have arrived at your destination. Well, <laughs> no, you haven't. You're still 35 to 55 to 100 feet away, and um, so now you have to sort of figure out what that last 85 feet that you have to get to your, your ultimate destination. Waymap gets you to within one step, three feet of where you wanna go and, and what your ultimate destination is. Um, the second, as, as Pat mentioned, is Waymap works both indoors and outdoors. So <clears throat> give you an example here. We, uh, Waymap has been chosen by WMATA, our, our metro system here in the DMV, uh, to map their entire system. And so what does that mean? That means we have mapped uh, 15,000 bus, uh, bus stops and uh, about 110 subway stops. So think about this. When you, when you go underground to a metro station, you're going you're gonna to lose your satellite signal for sure. Uh, and your mobile signal is going to be spotty at best. It's just sort of come and go. Um, with Waymap, you don't need a satellite signal. You don't need Wi-Fi. You don't even need a mobile signal because the map is resident on your device. Um, and Waymap knows your, your exact location by using the sensors in your phone. So... You know, we've heard time and again, right? The, the the technology that is in a mobile phone today is, you know, pick a number, 50 times, 100 times greater than, you know, the technology that, that NASA used to put a man on the moon. So there's a number of sensors that are in your phone um, that we are using. And, you know, they include you know, a gyro, a magnetometer, an accelerometer, a barometer, all of these things are actually in your device. And that's what we're using to know exactly where you are. Um, so <clears throat> that's, that's indoors, outdoors, and uh, accuracy of destination. Those are two, two of the things that distinguish what it is we do, right? The third thing is in what we map. And the answer is we map everything. So let, let's stick with the uh, metro station as an example. When you're in a metro station using Waymap, 
we map the ticket machines, we map the station manager's office, the emergency phone, elevators, escalators, turnstiles. Um, and of course, we map the platform itself, right? So the user, um, he or she is going to be warned if you're getting too close to the edge of the platform, you're going to be warned. You're approaching the platform. Please step back. Please step back. Um, in an office building, a general office building, we're going to be mapping things like the water fountain, the restrooms, all of the entrances, all of the exits, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's that's really what distinguishes um, what we're doing with Waymap. Now, there are some other apps out there that are uh, attempting to, to map indoor venues. Um, and the difference between what we're doing and what they're doing is there's one that, that um, uses barcodes. There's one that uses um, photo technology that is actually derived from LiDAR, as Pat says. But what this means is, is that you as a user have the um, your mobile device in your hand. So you've got your guide dog or you've got your cane, you've got a briefcase, you may have some groceries. You don't want to have your, your phone in your hand looking around for photographs of to get you to the next point, right? Um, it's, just, it's just darned inconvenient. And the second thing, quite frankly, is um, it's not particularly safe to be waving your phone around um, you know, we've all heard about all of the crime that is going on uh, all over our city and in Metro included. So with Waymap, you can put your phone in your pocket or your purse, and it's still going to be getting you where you need to go. Um, with WMATA specifically, we're using the um, what's called... Uh, the, the acronym is GTFS, which is General Transit Feed Specification. That's, that's the acronym. So what does that mean? So we're tapping into the GTFS that WMATA provides. And that means when you've got your earbud in your phone, in your ear, and you're walking to your destination, and you're going to a metro, and that, that um, elevator, for instance, is going to be out. Um, you're going to be told in your ear, the elevator is out at Metro Center, uh, please use the escalator, right? So you're going to be getting information in real time about what uh, WMATA is communicating to all of their passengers, actually, though, within our app. Um, the Waymap app is absolutely free to users. Um, it is the, the venue that pays a licensing fee for the app, not the user. Um, now, I will, I will hasten to point out because hopefully everybody wants to give it a go and we'd love you to give it a go. But right now, we are not yet in the uh, App Store or the Google Play Store. Um, we're at the end of February here. By the end of March, we hope to be um, up in the, the uh, App Store and, and Play Store. Uh, so you can you can download the app and download the app again at at no cost to to you as a user. Um, the one thing that that I will say that does confuse people sometimes that people just make an assumption that oh wow this is great this thing works indoors and outdoors so I can go into this building or that shopping mall or that stadium whatever the case may be and Waymap's going to get me around. Well, that is true 
on the one hand, on the other hand, we have to map the the venue first, right? So, um, and we and we are using a combination of drawings that we get from the particular venue. So, so here again with the Wamada example, the Metro is providing us with CAD drawings for their stations. So we know where the the station manager. Uh, location is. We know where the ticket machines are. We know where the turnstiles are. All of that kind of thing, and we we map all of it down to one step. But we have to map the venue first. Um, so that's that's something that I that I just wanted to to point out. The other thing that I that I would mention is um, there are some minimum requirements because again we need the sophisticated sensors in the device in order for Waymap to sort of do its magic. Um, and what that means as a in the practical matter is, is that um, for iPhones, it's an iPhone 8 or later, um, an Android, uh, Samsung uh, Galaxy 8, or Pixel uh, 3a or later work. So that covers an awful lot of ground. You know, I think the iPhone 8 came out Oh my goodness! Uh, Lucy Edmonds is the co-host now. Six years ago or so, so we we really are covering most of the spectrum, but we do have minimum requirements because we need the sophisticated sensors that are that are actually in the device itself. Um, right now, you know we're we're all familiar with beta software and how software companies like fundamentally Waymap is a software company. How software companies release. Uh, beta software, they have users test it and provide feedback. This works great. This is not working so well. I wish it would do that, that kind of thing. Um, we're in a bit of a different position. Uh, we can't release beta software and hope for the best and get user feedback. When we release the product and put it up in the, in the uh, uh, Play Store and App Store, um, it, it, has to, it has to be perfect. Because um, obviously there's a lot of safety implications, right? So, so that's why it's taken us a while. And I'll, I'll be very candid: we're we're behind right now in the development process with Wamada. We're a couple months behind, um, but by the end of May of this year, we hope to be uh, releasing in about ten metro stations and every single bus stay uh, bus stop that is on the system. Which again is about. 15,000 or so. Um, one of the things I, I would make an appeal, one of the things that um, we would love to do is we would love to have uh, folks um, help us do the testing. The testing it will be done at uh, a variety of different um, metro stops and uh, subway stops. And um, users, uh, testers will be accompanied at all times. We're not going to let anybody, we're not going to uh, let anybody go free until we've got this thing completely nailed, right? Um, so um, the other the other, th the other appeal I would make is um, we would love to map other venues here in the Washington area. We'd love to, we'd love to be able to get users uh, on a end-to-end -end journey. So you leave your home, you get on the bus, you get on the metro, you go to your office building, or you go, you want your shopping, you go to grocery store or shopping mall, whatever. We'd love to map other venues. So um, 
if you're interested in volunteering, please send me an email. Um, we are compensating uh, volunteers for their time, um, as well as the uh, transit to and from wherever we happen to be testing on, on any given day. Um, and we, we'd love to, uh, to have you uh, join the, the, the team of testers. Um, and again, if there's a building that, that uh, you would like to see us map, let us know. Uh, we'll talk to whoever the person is that we need to talk to to uh, establish uh, mapping within that particular venue and uh, start the testing at that site as well. So with that, let me open up for any questions that, that uh, anybody has. Thank you, Paul, that's great, appreciate it. Uh, do we, uh, any questions from the audience? Uh, there are no hands right now. I, I'll start off with one then. So it's it's my impression then that I, Paul, that I can have the phone in my pocket if I'm in a metro station, let's say, and actually face the direction that I want to walk in with my cane. And it'll give me the directions that I need, that I, that I need to, that I, you know, going forward, sort of where I am. Or as, I think as you also told me, you can also program it as you're setting it up so that it can take you to things like the fare card machine or down to the track area. So that that's absolutely right, Pat. The And so let me expound on that just a little bit. When you first download the app, um, there is a calibration process. And, and this is just done one time. And the calibration process is the purpose of that is to, to get to understand, the app understands you personally and, and, and more specifically understands your gait, right? The, the, the rate at which you walk uh, most commonly. Because what we do is we provide step-by-step -step, um, instructions. Uh, Give you. A, 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 I'll share with you a quick a quick story. I was, uh, and I, I may have mentioned this to you, Pat, when we were on the phone the other day. So I was at the East Falls Church Metro Station, and I told uh, Waymap that I wanted to go to the West Falls Church Station, uh, going in the direction of Vienna, right? So I step by step, I was guided to the train. I was told when the train was was arriving and uh, was able to board the train, got off the train, was told where I needed to go, step by step, got to the West Falls Church station, got to the train going toward Vienna. And quite literally, it was not off a single step. So this calibration process is to understand um, the rate at which you generally walk. Right. There's another there's another thing that we ask you to enter into your profile, which is your height, um, because generally speaking, man or woman, it doesn't make any difference. You know, a 510 person uh, is generally going to have the same sort of gait. So we put that into the algorithm as well. Um, but the calibration process really is 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 key. Um, because now we know uh, what your what your rate of walking is. Um, guide dog users uh, and cane users generally have a different type of gait, right? Um, and so we've got that now. 
and we're able to get to give you specific step-by-step directions. And of course, the the settings are very, very uh, what would I say flexible, I, I suppose is, would would be the right word. So if you want to avoid escalators, for instance, you can just you can in the settings. I don't like escalators. Don't take me to any escalators. Um, I want uh, hands of the clock directions, not cardinal or 90 degree directions, right? I want hands of the clock um, and, and a number of other different uh, settings, which are uh, sort of customized to the way that you want to be guided to your ultimate destination. Other questions? Jane? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. I want this everywhere. <laughs> really no, do. So do we. <laughs> um, okay. So I can think of several shopping centers that I would like to have maps mapped. So do I just tell Waymap, I want the Aspen Hill Shopping Center, uh, and then you make the arrangements with them, or do I have to go to them and this would be great if you paid for this and you should contact Waymap and they can map it and then blind people could use your shopping center. How does it work? Yeah, so that's a, that's a very good question. And, and really, it's a little bit of both, right? We would love to be able to go to the Aspen Hill Shopping Center and say, we've heard from a number of folks that shop here that would love to see, you know, this, this shopping center. And if you're in the shopping center, obviously, you don't want just one particular store, right? You don't want the whole thing. Yeah, the whole right, exactly. Um, and so we were probably not going to be speaking to a shop owner. Yeah. We're going to be speaking to the the folks that that own that that property um, and rent out all of that that retail space. Um, but the extent to which we can say, look, we're hearing hearing from a lot of users. You may have heard from a lot of your users. We'd like to go ahead and, and map this venue. Um, then then it's the ball's in our court and we approach them and, Here we and go. try, to, try to make that work. What happens if, say, you've got it all mapped and mm -hmm. a store closes and something else moves in? Okay, so that's a great question. So th there's, a, um, there's this thing called Map Studio. So the... Uh, to, let's let's stick with the Aspen Hill Shopping Center because I'm actually very familiar with it. Yeah. If um, so, five below uh, shuts down, right? And somebody else, you know, a shoe store is going to move in there. Map Stu Map Studio is a product that we provide to the management of that entire property, um, where they can easily say, uh, or excuse me, they can easily change the map layout, right? And, and make that change. The, the fact of the matter is, is if it is something as significant as that, where you've got one company, somebody just leaves um, and a new, a new, a new uh, vendor comes in and, and uh, sets up shop, we would probably have to go in and map that space again. Um, the, the design studio. So I don't know when the last time I was at a Metro uh, stop, of any kind, frankly, um, where there wasn't some sort of construction going on. And so, you know, this escalator is now out, right? This elevator is going to be down for three days, whatever the case may be. Map Studio is the is what we provide WMATA to make those changes on the fly. Okay. All right to you. 
<laughs> okay, please, please. <laughs> and Jane, I think I think we're coming up on time, aren't we? How are we doing on time? Yeah, we are. We've got three minutes. We um, have Scott has a question. One quick oh, question. Yeah. 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 Hi, Paul. This may be a question uh, for offline because it's complex. Um, congratulations, by the way. It's an exciting product. It sounds amazing. Can you Thank comment you. on interoperability of systems, though? Uh, you know, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the history of electronic wayfinding over the years. Yeah. And part of the problem has been one system doesn't talk to another system. And although the interfaces may be different. Uh, some people like uh, Starbucks coffee, some people like Pete's, but it's still coffee at the end of the day. And that's where choice might come into the into the picture. I, I don't know. But can you talk about how, for example, do you foresee other systems like Good Maps and yourselves to be interoperable with each other? Ah, so, okay, understood. Um, the, the very, very honest answer to your question, Scott, is yep. you're, you're, you're either going to be using good maps or you're going to be using uh, Navalens or right. you're going to be using Waymap. Yep. Um, those are the three biggies right at the moment. Th those are the three biggies. Um, and as I say, they, they use different, very different approaches. Navalens uses barcodes. Uh, so the first job is to find the barcode, right? Yep. Um, and then which means having your phone out and sort of waving it around. Um, Good Maps uses uh, LiDAR photos that, that help you navigate from point A to point B. So, so the Good Maps technology understands that you're just passing, if you're in an airport, for instance, you're passing the Burger King. Mm -hmm. That means if you want to get, get to gate B12, and I know where the Burger King is because I'm waving my phone around and it sees Burger King, then I need to continue straight uh, for you know 150 feet and turn right. Right, um, we we do it differently. Um, we do it by mapping the venue in its entirety, and so um, there, there's really no. Uh, it, it's three parallel paths to be to be honest. If you're using Navalens, Good Maps doesn't matter. Uh, Waymap doesn't matter. Um, so interoperability. Is it, it, I understand your your question and 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 the reason for your question, but you really have to choose the the app that you want to be using, and and that's the app that's going to get you to where you want to go. Okay, uh, thanks. Uh, I I have a follow up question, but I know where the time is limited. But I appreciate your candor. Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Scott. Todd is going to be talking to us about a nonprofit that he has started called Blind Views. And he has been doing a lot of outreach to a lot of other organizations that are sort of outside of what we would consider to be um, traditional uh, uh, blindness organizations. And actually doing a lot with bringing those organizations together and sharing uh, some pretty fascinating um, uh, uh, metrics and capabilities all under the direction of audio description. So Todd, you can do a much better job of explaining this than I can. Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to what you have to say. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you so much for that introduction, Pat. And um, thank you everyone for having me. Um, 
before I start, I do want to give out my email address, and it's blindmuse.org. Muse is M-U-S-E, so blindmuse.org. And I do have a question before I start. Will I be able to um, share my screen for a one-minute video? Is that possible or not? Yes, you should be able to do that. Oh, okay. Perfect. So um, what I want to do is just kind of give a rundown um, before I get into blind use of actually how I got connected with um, the blind and um, visually impaired community. Um, back in 2015, um, I drove Lyft for, um, I like to say I did it for a couple of months, but really I only did it for two weeks because I couldn't take people being in my car. But I did pick up a lady by the name of Jane and her guide dog. And um, we had a great conversation and she told me um, that she was connected with the Maryland Council of the Blind. She explained that to me. And I had shared with her that I had this app called Bridging the App that actually I was creating it for my mom. And it was actually to help seniors navigate ordering groceries on phone. And, um, and that eventually led to grocery by phone. Um, um, the reason that um, Jane and I hit it off is she was just so friendly and she shared some things with me and then she invited me to the meeting. I can say now, um, almost eight years later, um, I have 10 um, friends that are blind and, and I speak with them on a regular basis. Um, I really enjoy um, Jane and Pat. I'm very close to them. Um, Pat and I have been going out to dinners every couple of months for the last five years, just you know, just kind of um, educating me and explaining, you know, um, and I'm learning. And I have to say the one thing that um, I, I found really interesting is that I did not learn until last year that the unemployment rate among the blind is up, upwards towards 70%. And, and, and that was uh, um, pretty concerning. And so um, I started doing some research. I asked um, um, some questions from Pat and Jane, and I start looking. Um, and that was just before um, COVID hit. Once COVID hit, I was actually in the travel industry, and the travel industry clashed. And I was in luxury travel, meaning that I deal um, with probably the top five percent of of the financial population as far as what what they can afford for vacations. Our Prices started at $1,000 a night to $25,000. And the reason I mentioned um, bring up the travel industry and, and how I got connected here is that the travel industry has really worked out a lot of bugs in communicating. And that means that they can communicate with 10 different people can go into a, the same travel industry software engine, go to 10 different destinations, take multiple uh, modes of transportation. And so um, that is where my thought process is. And I needed to share that first. Um, I, I wanna get back to that. I've always thought that it was important to include people. Uh, and this is before I met anyone that was in the disabled community. Um, my neighborhood um, where we grew up, we had kids the age ranges from three to 18. And this is about 10 houses. And you know, everyone wants to play, everyone wants to participate. And there's a game called Foursquare and it's only four people can play at a time. If you have a couple, two more friends, they can kind of stand outside the box and wait till one person gets out and then they can get a turn. Well, if you have, you know, 20 kids outside age range from 
three to 18, there's no way that you can play just four square. So what I did is I took and I created 12 square. So that means that almost everybody could play in the game. Uh, we made sure that the younger kids could play just like the older kids. And the whole purpose of that is that um, it's important for everyone to be able to participate uh, and I learned that at an early age. And it mostly had to do with the fact that I had a three-year-old sister and I was 10 years older than her. And if I didn't make sure that she could kind of participate, <laughs> then I really wouldn't be able to participate. So I learned at a, a young age, the importance of um, inclusion. My background is in customer service and sales. I started off in the restaurant business. Um, I went on to become a trainer and a quality control person. And I have um, a pretty good eye for detail, which is how I segue into the luxury vacation rental business. Um, the importance of that is just, um, you know, we all go online just to book where we're going to go, but there's lots of things happening behind the scenes. And I noticed that I could probably parlay some of those things that are happening by behind the scenes and the travel agency business with working with local blind nonprofits. Um, I end up taking about two years to not only um, research the American Council of the Blind, I looked at the, the top site, you know, the national organization, and then I went through and looked at all of the affiliates, the ones that had websites and, um, and made them note to the ones that didn't. I also checked several other um, national organizations, probably about 300 organizations in total. And part of this audit was to gather information to see how they were getting their message out to sighted communities. Quite a few of the websites that I looked at were really geared only to the blind, meaning that it was a lot of text and this is, you know, of course, so a screen reader can pick up the information. We are now in a technology age where everything online is moving so fast, the attention span, and I'll say this as a sighted person, I'm talking about, I'll say I'm talking about myself, so no one's offended. Um, the attention span is not great. <laughs> that means we're on our phones, we're just looking and we're just moving so fast were really um, missing a lot of things. And so I said to myself, well, this is great information that they have on their website to pass on to the rest of their community. But if a sighted person comes and sees that there are you know, paragraphs of writing, the average person is just not gonna click on it. And I said, you know, let me um, take a look. You know, so I kept digging and digging. Um, I reached out to um, my contacts and they explained to me the, the challenge of an accessible website and how um, some people think that they can do it, that it turns out they can't. Well, I decided to put myself to the test and create my own um, accessible website. It is now blindmuse.org. And this site is geared to bring two communities together. It is geared to bring the sighted community. So it has pretty pictures on it. All the pictures have alt text, which I've been able to go and describe myself because I have participated in a couple of organizations um, to learn about audio description and alt text. One is the Audio Description Project. 
And then I also participated in the Unity Descriptathon where um, we were able to get into small groups and help to audio describe some park brochures. All very interesting and it's really gonna make a significant difference. Um, getting back to the importance of trying to connect to the sighted community and meet them where they are, everyone is really busy and no one is thinking they're only interested in, in um, you know, entertainment. So I thought, what is the best way to do this? Let me go and start interviewing some blind people and get them to tell me a little bit about their life and then that way I can share it. So my first guinea pig, <laughs> so to speak, was Jane. Um, she invited me over to her house. She um, makes bread from scratch. So she taught me a couple things <laughs> and she made some great pumpkin bisque soup. And she allowed me to ask um, a lot of questions that sighted people want to ask, but they are not going to ask someone they don't know. So um, um, she gave me that information and she is one of our first episodes. We went on to go and um, interview a lady that went blind at the age of 15. She learned Braille. She learned how to navigate with her white cane, but no one would give her a job. So out of her frustration, she opened her own coffee company. And the coffee company is called White Cane Coffee. They ship their coffee all through the United States to the UK and Canada. And get this, guys, all of the coffee, including the K-cups, have Braille labels on them. Uh, most importantly, what Erin um, has done is she has made a commitment to hire people with disabilities, whether that's intellectual disabilities or physical disability. And she pays them a living wage. She just won a, a, a International CEO of the Year Award for the work that she's doing in her community. And this is back in um, Warren, Pennsylvania. I also got to um, interview an IT specialist. Um, um, I won't say his name because you probably know him. We want to kind of keep that as, as we release it. But, you know, he was instrumental in um, working and training the blind population on um, on, on a braille display for the computers back in the 90s when all of that stuff first started becoming mainstream. Um, interview Dr. Joel Steider. He explains to us about the audio description project and how important it is. And um, also, um, I don't know if I mentioned the pharmacy. Oh, no, I did mention the pharmacy. So anyway, let me keep moving. So long story short, we have six episodes. They're currently in production. All of the episodes are prepared in production in mind with audio description. So what we're not doing is we're not creating the videos first and then going back and audio describing. We are creating the documentaries with audio description in mind. So that way we can do our due diligence to make sure that all of these great stories that we're sharing with the sighted world can be shared with our blind and low vision people online. And the, and the reason that's important is I was watching 60 Minutes and there's a gentleman, his name is Chris Downey. He went blind at 45 and um, the social worker told him, oh, um, you know, what's gonna be your new career? And he was like, I, I don't want a new career. 
And he says, well, you know, you're, you're going to have to find a new career, sir, you're blind. And he ignored the social worker and he continued his architectural work. He learned how to create his own plans in a, a form similar to Braille cells, you know, a little raised. But more importantly, now he has partnered with um, sighted architect forms and they are going around and building these beautiful buildings that are aesthetically pleasing to the sighted, but all of the accessibility features are built into the building, meaning that um, where, where you know, the texture changes on the floor for someone that's navigating, they've opened up stairwells so that um, people can maneuver better. Um, really, really interesting stuff. Now, the disappointing part came when I turned on the audio description feature on my, um, on my TV to, to hear it. And I was very disappointed that it wasn't audio described. And in my mind, I'm not really understanding how um, someone could have a feature program on an organization such as 60 Minutes. And it was a great story, but they left out the population that they were highlighting. And that, that, that bothers me. Um, and it bothers me to the point why I kind of got more in this. I've been working for two years, but haven't announced because each time there's more information that I need to be able to pull together, we are almost there. And, you know, the sighted community is doing their best. I won't say do their best, excuse me. We're going to say they're making some efforts for inclusion. And I would like to now share my screen and show you uh, um, uh, video and hopefully this works um, it's just a one minute video and we're going to play it and then I'll talk to you on the other side. Don't hear anything. We're not hearing anything, Todd. Hearing anything yet, Todd. You didn't hear anything? You no, hear we're that? not hearing anything, no. Oh, no. God, I'm so I'm not showing the audio. Don't forget to oh. check your sound. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so... Let me see. God, you know, I wish it's so cool. It's almost over. And I was like, well, I guess they can hear it. So um, let me <laughs> no. see. No, I don't know if I know how to do that. Where do I go for that? Um, because I could hear it on me, but you can't hear it. Correct. Okay, so what, what I'll do is I'll explain the commercial. Um, and then um, if you like, um, I will send Jane the link and she can send it out if you guys would like to um, view it yourself. But basically a friend of mine um, who is blind and um, retired, he told me, hey, I, you know, I got this, um, this gig doing a commercial for Fort Lauderdale. And I was like, oh, really, um, can I see it? And he said, yeah. So. He sent it over to me and um, he's walking in front of the beach with his guide dog. Um, the trees are swaying, the sky is beautiful. You can hear the birds chirping. 
as he's walking, two girls kind of saunter in front of him. And then on the screen, as it ends, it says, um, welcome to accessibility for everyone. And then it says, visit Fort Lauderdale. Now, um, I was very disturbed by that. And, and when I say that, the commercial does not have any audio description at all. And this is a town that is trying to say that they're accessible, but they missed the mark. So really what needs to happen is education. And when I asked my friend, I said, did they, did they talk to you, you know, and ask your input about, you talk, did you talk to them about audio description? Goes, yeah, Todd, they said they were making it accessible. And I guess in their mind is sighted people making it accessible is because they had it up on the screen. And so while that worked for people that can see, it doesn't work for, for blind individuals. And he also stated, he said, Todd, you said there was two girls sauntering. They told me it was a couple. So I thought it was a male and female couple. So they didn't even explain the commercial to him. And um, so, so, you know, the way that we're going to be able to change those type of mishaps when people have good intentions is by giving them some education. And education now is really kind of almost mainstream on the internet. You can get, everyone goes on YouTube to look up everything that you can imagine from changing a flat tire to fixing uh, multiple things. Um, what we want to do and are doing is we're going to take and put together series of these documentaries. We will continue to interview professional blind individuals and businesses. And the purpose is this for two things. One, it shows um, sighted hiring people. Yes, um, blind people can do the work. And Jane said, <laughs> mentioned earlier, like, how do I talk to, I mean, some of the things that come out of people's mouths, I, I, I don't, I always think that it's um, on purpose, but you know maybe people aren't thinking. But one of the reasons is the average person does not know a blind person. I have quite a few close friends. And in a short time of seven years, I've gone from one blind friend to about 10. None of my sighted friends have blind friends. And they simply don't happen because they're not exposed. Now, eventually they might because they know me and, you know, um, if I'm going to have a gathering, you know, something like that. But the important thing is really to get this education going and to get it going so that audio description is just as prevalent as closed caption. That's how I um, thought I could get the attention of the sighted individuals, you know, what happens when, um, and, I'll, and I'll use myself as an example, when I'm watching TV, I'm missing half of it. <laughs> and I'm missing half of it because I'm not paying attention. Um, what's great about audio description is it allows you to, um, as a sighted person, to hear all of the other things and also not be directly front and center um, and you know, to, to get what's happening on the episode. I do believe that eventually um, all of these TV shows that you know everyone's getting on board and they're trying to audio describe, I think eventually they're gonna turn into um, um, audible books because now you can go listen to a TV series and 
you know, be taking a walk because you can hear everything that's happening. Staying all that, I need to make sure that I am working on getting the word out and harnessing the power of social media. And the reason I bring that up is that that is not an easy task. It also takes some research. And what I did is I went and looked at the state of Indiana and I looked at their, their website and then also their social media. That's the Indiana Council of the Blind. And so at first look, when you look at them, they have 167 followers. And so a person might say, hey, you know, that's not that many people or maybe a donor that wants to donate to an organization like that might say, well, I'll donate, but, you know, there's no um, recognition. You don't have that many people. Well, I did a deep dive, which the average individual does not do. And I found out that out of their 167 followers, 50 of those followers had more than 1,000 followers themselves. And so I plugged those numbers into my spreadsheet. And then I went and took a look at how many friends do the average Facebook person have? And the numbers are on Facebook. And they say um, they have about 300, but consider, let's say, 25% of of those people are um, are considered close friends. So that means they really don't know everybody. Well, when we take a look at the 167 followers that leads to 50 profiles that's introduced to 1,000 people, if we go with the numbers of direct connections, believe it or not, that adds up to exposure to 23 million people. And when I say that, I just took into consideration the same followers that the Indiana Council of the Blind is following, that someone is following them back. This actual um, information that I just mentioned is on our YouTube channel, which you can get to through our website. Um, and it's basically putting the numbers in perspective. Now, the reason I needed to do that is not so much um, specifically for the blind community, but for the sighted community. I have to show interest. I have to show that there's a reason to connect. And the importance of that connection leads to networking. Today, before this event, I was with um, about 25 bankers um, in this local area. Um, my banker knows um, what the Blind News Foundation is about. And he invited me to um, a museum to go tour and so I could hang out with them. And this were all bankers and they were all saying, okay, guys, we need to get 300 impressions. And this is what they're all trying to do. So what I told him is, you know what? I'm gonna talk to you in a couple of weeks because I'm putting together something that's gonna show you how to get those impressions through education. And that's what the goal is of Blind News. It's to bring on the sighted community and help the sighted community to really put in a structure for local nonprofits, not only to network, but also to have the resources so that they can generate funds, not just with their local group, but they can generate funds all over the United States or the world. One last um, statements, and I'll leave five minutes for questions, is Google 
now has a nonprofit program where they will give a nonprofit organization up to $10,000 a month in marketing ad spend. That's $120,000 a year. This money can be used to run ads that link directly to the organization's website and their donation pages. Now, the great thing about that is that's free money for advertising. And I can tell you that it takes money in order to make things move on the internet. Um, there's lots of stipulations to that. We have knowledge in it. There's a blog on our site about that. But that's why Blind Views Foundation is here. If anyone would like to participate, meaning um, we're always looking for someone that um, could check a website to make sure that it's accessible, check a video, make sure that's accessible. And um, that's why we're here. I know that was a lot of information. I'm willing to take some questions and you can always go to our website. There's our contact information. And thank you so much for letting me share with you today. Excellent, Todd, thank you so much. Uh, I will just say this for anyone who is interested in talking to Todd. He has done his homework. Uh, he has hired people that say they know everything about accessibility and then found out like the rest of us that they didn't. So Todd has learned his craft uh, through uh, trial and error. Trust okay. and verify, he says. Vanessa has a question. Go ahead, Vanessa. I uh, don't have a question, but uh, very briefly, and Pat can address this as well. Um, talking about descriptive audio, there's uh, an event that occurs every year where a bunch of teams get together, look at a brochure from a national park or some other venue uh, that has pictures and brief descriptions. We take that each team and turn it into a workable description that will eventually become an audio description on this particular project's app. And so there's a bunch of uh, parks and a few other venue venues um, that have audio description. There's also speech to text, but it's, it's a really cool project. Um, and it, it, it brings to life the park that the visually impaired person can't see, but they can still read about it and envision in the picture what's being described. So go for it, man. Good for you. Um, Vanessa, thank you so much for that. And I will let everyone know that my time is ending. Um, I do have a page on the Unity Description Project in, in our website. And they're also at the bottom of that page, there are links to um, the app store. So you can download the app for the Unity Description Project directly from blindmuse.org. If anyone gets a chance to go take a look at uh, Todd's site, he has done some very excellent audio description work, writing and, uh, and getting it voiced. The voicing that he has used on his site is an A, uh, artificial intelligence AI voice, which I had no oh, idea. Yes. Pat, I do have, I mean, some of it is um, audio, some of it is AI, but yep. now the mm -hmm. first video on our site is a, a lady that, um, her name is Annie Donlin, and uh -huh. she is um, our voice talent that we're using, and she's out of Ohio, and she took the audio description class um, with me at the audio description project, and she's blind. Mm -hmm. Good, beautiful, okay. Thank, Thank you, you so much, everyone.
Thanks, Todd. <laughs> okay, Ansel, thank you for coming. And um, we want to welcome you to the um, ACB of Maryland Convention. And we are so excited to hear about the Taurus Foundation. And I was just telling them that uh, I knew you for you and um, Sonia from way back <laughs> when we yes, worked for another yes. organization. So <laughs> exactly. thank you, Ansel. Yes, well, first, um, let me say thank you, Terry, so much for um, thinking about us and inviting uh, the foundation uh, to speak at the ACB. Um, we're always happy as a, an organization that works in the blind community made up of blind folks to um, you know, partner with, with other organizations for the blind. Um, we've been doing this throughout uh, our history. Um, so I don't know how many of you know um, about the foundation or heard about, of the foundation. Um, we have uh, been in the Washington DC area for uh, over 20 years. And uh, we have been providing different kinds of services both here in the United States um, and not just here in the Washington DC metro area, but across the US uh in the caribbean and uh several years ago we did some work with world bank um and uh we 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 did some work uh in in africa and uh and asia um so what is the taurus foundation the taurus foundation is a small nonprofit organization that was established in memory of my father um, I grew up in the Caribbean on the island of Trinidad. Uh, my father was very active in the blind community down there. And upon his death, uh, I thought it would be fitting uh, to uh, do something uh, to remember the work that he did in Trinidad and Tobago in the blind community um, and bring some benefit uh, to to the Caribbean, or primarily Trinidad and Tobago is what I was thinking about. Um, I was living here at the time and involved with uh, a major contract at Social Security to bring technology accessibility to disabled people uh, throughout Social Security. I think there was a major lawsuit back in the late 1990s uh, when Social Security was opening up um, or, or I should say establishing a new network system for all of the employees across the globe. Um, and uh, apparently there was no accommodations or not sufficient accommodation for people with disabilities. Uh, the disabled employees of social security sued. And as a result, there was this huge contract that was uh, brought about uh, to essentially adapt this new uh, network system to accommodate uh, people with all kinds of disabilities, blindness, low vision, um, and so on. And so that is what brought me to the Washington area to work for Unisys. So uh, suffice it to say, I've been working in, in assistive technology for quite some time, um, starting back in the 1980s 
uh, where I went to school in New York uh, and studied computer information systems. Um, used to do assistive technology training at the Computer Center for the Visually Impaired at Borough College where I went to school and, uh, and then went on from there uh, to work at Overbrook School for the Blind where I worked in the international program training international students from just about everywhere on the planet. It was a very exciting time. Um, and then the opportunity came to work on this project to bring assistive technology to um, social security. Uh, so when my father died, I was in the middle of working on that contract. And I said, well, it is I am in the United States. I'm working and bringing technology to folks uh, or working on a project to bring, to make assistive technology available to folks in the US. And I thought maybe I could bring some of those expertise to Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and so that's where the, the, the whole thing started. Uh, we sponsored a young lady to come over here, um, provided her with all kinds of assistive technology training. Um, and the assistive technology, um, and she took it back to Trinidad and started a program there. Um, and so we provided all kinds of assistive technology free training to, to blind folks in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, it went from there to working with the National Library of Trinidad and Tobago uh, to make um, assistive technology available. So there was all kinds of uh, issues with accessing the library. There was really nothing there for people who are blind. And so I wrote a very um, ambitious proposal again. <laughs> Uh, with the motivation and energy that came from working on the social security project and essentially almost replicated the same technology on that proposal that social security used uh, for their program, thinking that they would never go for this. And lo and behold, they went for it and was asking for more. I was just shocked and amazed by that. Um, so, so today in Trinidad and Tobago, um, the public libraries are equipped with braille displays, uh, screen readers, magnification technology, OCR te technology, and, and the list goes on. Um, so that went from, we went from there working on that and we essentially took the, took the uh, concept to other islands in the Caribbean. And so now you have in Jamaica and Barbados uh, programs or uh, libraries or uh, institutions that are now set up with assistive technology as a result of some of the work that we did. At the Trinidad Library, one of the things that was unique there was that we actually established a music studio. Um, you know, where blind folks could go in and learn about this technology. Fortunately, the program ran out of funding and it had to be shut down. Very disappointed by that. Um, and then COVID came and then it, and it really died. <laughs> um, but, you know, we got that start and there are other folks who are gonna take up the slack and, and run with it. So, you know, sometimes 
once the genie's out of the bottle, uh, things germinate from that. Um, in the United States here, um, we, uh, again, we are a small organization. I work along with uh, Sonia um, and a few others at, at different stages. Uh, we have provided assistive technology training. We uh, sell assistive technology. We are a dealer for Freedom Scientific. We are a local dealer for Freedom Scientific. We're also a dealer for Freedom Scientific in the Caribbean. Um, we've also uh, provided reading services at one time. We don't do it at this point, but the idea is that we have been providing various types of services over the years uh, to uh, the federal government, to people who are blind or visually impaired working in the federal government. Uh, we've worked with the various uh, rehab agencies locally, DOORS, RSA, DBVI, um, and um, we have, we, we continue to work with individuals as well. So if someone is interested in getting uh specific services and don't necessarily want to go through the various uh agencies uh they can come to us we'll, we'll work with them um we're very excited about the work that we have done and um we uh, are trying to deal with <laughs> you know the various issues that have come about because of covid you know it definitely has slowed things out slowed things down it's been uh, a bit difficult uh but we are uh you know regrouping uh making some plans and uh essentially trying to make it happen um so we are providing services um we have um, a new phone number um i'll give that out at the end of the of the session and um we are looking to embark on a number of different things. One of the projects actually that we're looking to embark on is um, getting more involved with transportation advocacy. Um, uh, Metro Access has been a major thorn in the sides of many users of the service, including myself, and um, never took the time in the early days to get involved with it in any significant way. I was too busy doing everything else. Um, and so I finally, a few years ago, decided I would, you know, go to the meetings and sit down and, and listen to how things, you know, happen. I went to the, the, um, the accessibility advisory committee meetings and, and came to the conclusion that this this whole thing is a mess. I mean, it, I mean, it, well, it's it's clear in the newspapers uh, what's going on with Umana. They essentially do their own thing. Um, committees have been established by Congress to oversee the the organization, and they just ignore the government. So, and and what I've from what I've seen over the years, I mean, you have an advisory committee that has been established by WMATA, and they even ignore the AAC, <laughs> which is something that I was like, well, you ask us to take our free time and come and share our information with you so that you can make the service better, and then you generally ignore us. I mean, 
from speaking for, to some of the members of the AAC for quite some time, you know, they say, you know, yeah, we have been asking for this thing or asking for that thing, and and it just didn't happen. You know, whether it's the fares, because you know, this six fifty fare that we we pay uh, to use the service uh, is it's it's among the highest fares in the country. Now, granted, um, there are. Um, you know, there, there is this new uh, abilities ride program where it is free, um, but they're saying, you know, don't get too comfortable with that because it may not remain free forever. Um, and one of the things that I, I realize with is that, um, you know, when you look at the budget, you realize that there's the amount of money that WMATA actually collects from its passengers its disabled passengers uh, to ride Metro is so tiny, so minuscule. It's actually a rounding error in Metro's $5 billion budget. Um, and there's, especially because of the abilities ride, I mean, the ironic thing or the interesting thing about the abilities ride, even though the rides on the abilities ride is free, uh, it actually saves Metro money. So just on the savings from using using Uber to provide Metro access service, WMATA can afford to provide uh, free public transportation for its uh, disabled riders. Well, they already do it. They already do it on the on the bus and rail. So this so that's not a new concept. And free public transportation is something that has been catching fire not just here in the United States, but but in, in, in countries around the globe. So um, lots of issues there. The accessibility of the website has been another issue that I've been very concerned about. Um, and they are, I mean, it's really like pulling teeth. I mean, until I started making noise about it, uh, there was no booking link for uh, disabled riders wanting to book a ride on Metro Access. It was buried deep in the website. However, if you wanted to look up the train schedule or the bus schedule, you can get it on every page of the website. So clearly, our needs at WMATA uh, are not the highest priority. And that is very vexing to me. Um, and well, the folks at WMATA certainly know it. And one of the things that I also find interesting is that um, because of the budget, I mean, we're in the budget cycle right now. I'm looking at uh, these these budgets, and there is no explanation as to what happens to the the savings that they make from using um, Uber. I have asked Wamada to provide us with some sort of um, information as to where this surplus is going. Um, and basically I'm being told, uh, we're not going to tell you that. If you really want to know that bad, go ask your congressman or go ask your representative. Um, that's a, that sounds a little strange to me. I think that's, that's very much inappropriate. So, so WMATA really is not interested in this thing to, to folks. They, it's sort of a pretend sort of thing. And, but I will keep persisting, and the beat goes on. Um, the uh, the other project that 
we're looking to do is to bring um, free assistive technology through the foundation, hopefully in collaboration with Freedom Scientific, uh, to bring that to the Caribbean. Um, there's actually, um, this is not a new idea. Uh, in Colombia, they're already doing it. So if you are blind or low vision uh, and you live in the Caribbean, um, we're, we're hoping that we're going to be able to make it so that people who are blind or low vision will be able to uh, get the accommodations that they need, whether it's for home, for school, or for the workplace, because the way I see it, it's a sort of basic infrastructure. Um, the government provides, uh, you know, free roads. Um, uh, well, certainly in the Caribbean, they provide free water supply. Uh, and these kinds of, um, you know, public utilities are, are free of charge. Uh, I see accommodations uh, for people who are disabled, just like that kind of infrastructure. Um, I believe it's 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 just it's just terrible that that because you are disabled, you have to spend uh, so much money on uh, getting yourself accommodated to do some basic things. Um, when you go to you know, as a as a sighted person, when you go to the workplace, you know, nobody tells you, well, you have to pay for your monitor, right? You get a monitor. Um, without the monitor, a sighted person can't use the computer. Well, if you're blind, however, you know, that is something that um, has to be uh, provided. And some places, well, certainly in the Caribbean, uh they want you to purchase it yourself um because many times the government agencies are not willing to pay for it so it's a real issue there in the united states you have lots of um rehab agencies and, and there are other ways to get the technology but in the caribbean you don't have that so that's one of the things that uh, concerns us very much um and as a dealer for freedom scientific in the Caribbean, I think we, in, we are in a very good position to be able to uh, promote that concept and hopefully get the funding for it. And so that's one of the things that we are we are hoping to to make happen. We're calling. I think your Seattle. father would be very proud of you, Ansel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes, that's well. He was well. It's he's he's at fault for this, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's because of his his inspiration why I am trying to do what I'm doing here. So, <laughs> and you all, I take it through the years, you go, you all have made uh, many trips um, just to go over there to to do training, right? To start training for people. Oh yes, so that they can, yes, yeah. yes, yes. We we did that in Jamaica, Barbados, and. Um, we went to the Virgin Islands. We've been to a number of places. Um, wow. And, there are, you know, there are a few folks who are interested in, in getting additional training. And we also ran a summer camp for, for youth. Yes, we ran a summer camp for several years. A one-week summer camp on the island of Tobago, which was actually pretty successful. And the youth who participated in it 
um, you know, they went on to do some some really great things. I'm not saying they did it because of the camp, but it was right. one of the things that uh, you know really opened up their eyes to the possibilities. It was called Camp Can Do, and the idea was to to essentially uh, you know get the message across to kids because you are blind. It doesn't mean that you cannot do this or that. So we right. would, so we would challenge them to do things that they would never think of. Um, and especially in the Caribbean, I mean, in America, because you're exposed to so much and, you know, the culture is so much more advanced, there are things that, that as blind people, you do here, you do it here and you take it for granted. But in the Caribbean, something as basic as, um, you know, going fishing, mm -hmm. um, you know, going for a hike in the forest, um, for some people, as basic as swimming. Now, when I went to school in Trinidad, we did have a swimming program. But I was amazed that here it is, we had kids from all around the Caribbean. And um, very few of them knew how to swim. Um, you guys uh, are all surrounded by water. <laughs> isn't that something, right? It's, yeah, it's almost a life or death thing. I mean, you fall right. in the water accidentally, you're in trouble if you can't swim. Um, and the other thing that we challenged to do was horseback riding. Um, now, I, I was not sure I was ever going to get a Trinidadian to help me with, with, with running that program. But we did. And they were very open to it. And as a result of what we did with, with the summer camp and the horseback riding, they opened it up to several other disabled organizations outside of the blind community and provided those kids with um, summer camp horseback riding. Um, got a number of uh, folks from the United States and Europe to go down and work with work with um, uh, this this uh, horseback riding company mm -hmm. uh, to to show them how to do it because there's actually an organization uh, I forgot what is it called national um, international I forgot what it is but it's it's an organization made up of people who um, promote horseback riding for people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the yeah, special techniques that you use to make that happen. That's so, wonderful. That was, that was very exciting. So Ansel, we have five minutes left um, okay. and we're gonna open it up to questions, but first, can you yes. give your, um, your new telephone number information that you yes. were talking about and I a way people can contact you? Yes, our new phone number is 301-407-2424. Very simple. 301-407-2424. And our website is um, www.torresfoundation.org. And that's T-O, could you spell it? T-O-R-R-E-S foundation.org. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, let's open it up to questions. Hello, this is Jamaica, and my question is about the um, the um, my question is about, is about a a braille printer that would be like the the um, the blazer. If you know of anything that's like the blazer, let me know, please. Thank you. Um, blazer in terms of how of its size or, or basically a desktop braille embosser correct 
Correct. The best, the best, the best embossa out there, in my judgment, and this is my judgment, it's the Juliet uh, Pro 120. Okay, thank you. Um, that, that's yeah. all I needed to know. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> you were talking about training in the United States. Yes. Do you train all over the United States or just in the DC area? And is it in person or on Zoom or how do you do that? Oh, and that's, what's that's the price a great of question. it? Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Three parts. How much I could cover in the time I and you're talking about individual, right? Right now, right. Jane, not not company. Yeah, individual. Or, yeah. Or uh, do you okay. do individual or is it just class? Yeah, basically we 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 do provide remote training. Um we use Zoom. Um we uh we also use Google Meet. And uh, you know, Jaws also has um, a feature that makes it possible for us to remote access your computer. It's called Jaws Tandem, and so uh, we could train you regardless of where you are, as long as you have a Wi-Fi connection, um, yeah. and it'll be like we're sitting right next to you. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, so we do that. Um, we will train anywhere in the United States, um, but. A, a lot of our training in the U.S. right now is done, at least with individuals, is done in the tri-state area. Um, occasionally, um, we are asked to travel uh, outside of this of this area, and we will, but it's usually done by the government um, or even in the Caribbean, and that is usually paid by a government agency or company. You got one more. Do you want to take it? Yes. All right, Sandra. <laughs> I have a question. Um, yes. Actually, it's twofold. Um, do you know of any good Braille displays coming down the pike? Uh, Braille displays slash note takers. And the second question is, do you do Zoom training and Google doc, the Google Suite training? Uh, we do Google training. We do Zoom training. Uh, as far as the Braille displays, well, I work for Freedom Scientific, so I'm required to say Focus 40, fifth generation, is the best damn Braille display in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. Well, what I can say, what I can say, the Focus is actually used very extensively by um, federal agencies for the federal employees in the room who use Braille displays, I, I, I am willing to bet that they probably do use a focus, but I'll be going out on a limb there. But they're used a lot. Uh, Q Braille is supposed to be pretty good. Um, but that's for that's Q Braille from HIMS. Um, I've seen the write-up. I've not actually used it, but from what the, from the write-up, it looks like a fantastic um, uh, device. But I can only vouch for the focus because that's what I use. That's what I sell. And actually, some truthfully, the other Braille displays that I've seen, I I don't think they sell them anymore. I I, I was never really impressed. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ansel. We are at the top of the hour, and we're going to have to to go. So <laughs> once again, give your email address, your your web address, whatever. Yes, the web address is uh, Torres Foundation. 
www.torahsfoundation.org or www.torahsfoundation.org. Uh, our email address is info at torahsfoundation.org. Very simple, info at T-O-R-R-E-S foundation.org. Our phone number is 301-407-2424. And Terry, again, thank you so much. And the organizers of uh, this ACP event for thinking of us and inviting us to speak. And thank you again, Ansel. You all take care. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. God bless. Great. It's door prize time, people. Miss Sandra, it is door prize time. All right. My name is also a drawing, so I'm hoping that I win, right? (laughs) (laughs) The first prize is a braille calendar from APH. It's a braille insight calendar from APH. Okay. I'm going to get the list out. Remember, we have numbers from 1 through 140. Computer, give me a random number from 1 through 140. Here's a number between 1 and 140. It's 23. 23. 23 is Allison Fallon from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I congratulations. Yes, I don't know whether she's here, but I will tell her. There you go. Okay. One of our out of towners. Good. Um they need another one? Can we do one? Let's do one more and then we'll do whether I'll get our next presenter. All right. Um, the next one is a a deck of Braille Uno cards. Oh. Computer, give me a random number between one and one hundred and forty. Here's a number between one and one hundred forty. It's forty six. Forty six. 46 is Scott Marshall from Arlington, Virginia. <laughs> wow. How cool is that? Cool. All right. Very good. I'll be back later. Okay. Zero three and save it. Okay. It is orbit research time, people. You're talking about Braille display, Sandra. So maybe you might be able to find something in our next presentation. And Venkatesh Chari from uh, Orbit Research um, tell us, uh, I've, I've been very impressed with the, the reasonable price of a lot of their equipment. I love my eye bills. I, re- I have two of them. I love them. Anyway, so I don't really care whether they ever get uh, accessible currency because my currency is accessible already. So anyway, um, Mr. Chari, you're, you're, I think I saw you on the panel. 7.04 p.m. Hello. Hi. Thank, thank you, Jane. Thank you. Am so I audible? Much. Yes, you are. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Great. Well, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Venkatesh Chari. I'm from Orbit Research. Thank you so much for inviting us to this convention. It really is a pleasure to be here this evening. Um, and I hope I'll be able to uh, share um, some information about what we do and you know who we are. So, uh, Orbit Research is a is a 
small company, you know, we develop and manufacture a range of uh, affordable, educational, professional, and daily use products, including the Bible and including Braille displays, calculators, and also um, some apps for inclusive education and communication. Um, we have been in business now for 25 years. And in, in fact, this year is our 25th anniversary. And it has been a truly amazing journey for us. Um, so I will also give you a quick overview of our, pro of our products. And uh, can of course, always get more information by calling us on the phone or, or by email, and of course, through our website. Uh, Jane, uh, would, would we have some time at the end for questions or? Yeah, why don't you um, speak for about 20, 25, and then, and then we can open up for questions afterward. Uh, would that be okay? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Great. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks. Uh, I'll try to keep track of time here. Okay. Um, and uh, so um, uh, talking about our products, uh, the, and uh, first about Braille displays. Uh, so our most popular product in the uh, in our Braille display family is the Orbit Reader 20, uh, which is the most affordable Braille display in the world. And uh, it has a very unique rigid Braille dots that offer signage quality Braille. And this is this is truly unique in the in the industry. Um, almost all other displays on the market today use um, piezo uh, piezoelectric cells, um, ours uh, use a technology that we have developed and patented, and uh, it offers rigid dots like you would fi find in signage, um, you know, signage braille. And this is really very different from, from uh, other refreshable braille in the sense that you know, it, it offers much higher tactile contrast. So very, very unique. Uh, people who have used it really, really like it. Um, it this particular product, uh, by the way, the, the braille, our braille cells are on, on all of our braille products and I'll, I'll tell you about them. Um, the uh, our most popular, popular product is the Orbit Reader 20, and uh, it is a three-in-one device and works as a book reader, a note taker, uh, and a Braille display. So it has 20 cells uh, with eight dots and a uh, Perkins-style keyboard with eight keys and a space bar. Um, it also has you know, cursor, uh, cursor control keys. It doesn't have cursor routing keys, uh, but you can move the cursor around with the cursor control keys. It can be used as a standalone book reader and enables you to read any file from the SD card. Um, this can be BRF or BRL uh, formatted books or plain text. And it has features for easy navigation, inserting and editing bookmarks, browsing through folders, et cetera. Um, as a braille display, it works as a terminal and connects to PCs and Macs and iOS devices, Android devices over Bluetooth or USB. And it can connect simultaneously to multiple devices. And uh, you can use a screen reader on uh, your um, uh, computing device or phone to uh, access and control you know, all of the functions uh, through the Braille display. It's compatible with all the popular screen readers, including NVDA, JAWS, VoiceOver, Brailleback, uh, et cetera. It also has note-taking functions. So uh, it offers all the uh, essential file creation and editing functions. So you can create new files, save them onto SD card, 
uh, edit existing files. And uh, it also has features to like rename, delete, copy, create uh, folders, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's very compact and, and simple. So even though it has the, these you know, relatively you know, useful and, and, and sophisticated functions, it's very compact um, and uh, measures a little over an inch in height, about six inches in width, about four inches deep. It's very lightweight, weighs under a pound. And um, uh, it's got rechargeable batteries, supports over 40 languages. Um, and um, it's it's been really our our flagship product uh, for for a while now. Very very popular across the world, especially in developing countries. But you know the largest market is in in North America, and it is the most affordable Braille display. So it sells for uh, under seven hundred dollars, uh, which is about half to a third of the price of, of other similar build displays on the market these days. Um, then we have uh, a more advanced version of this as well. Our philosophy, uh, and, and I'd like, like to share this, this aspect with you, our philosophy has been to create simple devices, keep things really simple. You know, everyone today has access to a computer or a smartphone and they do the jobs that they do really well. They've got great web browsers, great email clients, Facebook clients, uh, Zoom clients, et cetera. So it, you know, we believe it doesn't make too much sense to try to recreate those features on our devices. It's a, you know, all of these require a lot of uh, effort to develop. Um, uh, you know, there are very large companies like Microsoft and Google uh, and, and uh, Amazon who work on products like these and they do a great job. And um, so we have try to keep our focus on uh, making these devices really easy to use with our Braille products. So we spent a lot of effort on making the connectivity and the usability really smooth with all of the screen readers and platforms. So we offer you know, probably the widest range of uh, um, connectivity options in the world today in terms of how many screen readers our products are, are able to work with. So that was about the Arbitrator 20. Uh, we, uh, our uh, next model is the Arbitrator 20 Plus. And uh, this is very similar uh, to the 20, but offers uh, some additional functionality. So it has a built-in uh, um, calendar function. It's got an onboard uh, Braille translator, uh, both forward and backward. And uh, so with the onboard Braille translator, students can you know write classwork and homework and contracted braille translated plain text to give it to their teacher it also has a simple uh, calculator um, a clock and an alarm as well uh, that it also has 20 cells of course um, the orbit reader 40 is our 40 cell model and uh, this is very similar in most uh, ways to the orbit reader 20 plus except that of course it has 40 cells and um, uh, offering our signage quality braille and uh, uh, in addition to the features that the Arbitrator 20 Plus offers, it has uh, a USB-C charging port. It has got a USB host port, so you can actually connect uh, pen drives and, uh, and keyboards and other things like that. Uh, and it also connects externally to a Bluetooth keyboard. So though it has an onboard Perkins-style uh, keypad, if you wish to type in Braille, you can hook up a... Um, a 
inexpensive uh, Bluetooth keyboard and uh, type uh, in, in QWERTY, if you like. Um, it's also very, very reasonably priced. It's, it's less than half the, the cost of uh, most other 40 cell displays. Um, then we recently announced and are just about to start shipping uh, the first fully refreshable, meaning you know, cell by cell refreshable uh, multi-line braille displays. So we call this family the Orbit Slate. And um, we have two models. There is the Slate, uh, Orbit Slate 520, which offers five lines of 20 cells of braille, and the Orbit Slate 340, which offers three lines of 40 cells of braille. And uh, these devices also um, offer very similar functionality to the Orbiter 20 and 20 plus and the 40. So they have the same productivity functions, calendar, calculator, et cetera, braille translation and editor and note taker, uh, reading capabilities, et cetera. But because they now offer multiple lines of braille, we have additional functions built into it, such as being able to uh, you know, scroll a window of uh, uh, braille horizontally as well as vertically. And these are specifically intended for being able to look at uh, spatially arranged data. So things like tables, spreadsheets, math, you know, uh, math problems, equations, number lines, uh, music, anything that has a, a sort of a two-dimensional um, uh, organization to it, or arrangement can be seen and, and visualized much more easily on a multi-line display. So this is going to these both of these models are going to start shipping next month, and um, they are priced at uh, thirty-five hundred dollars and um, thirty-nine ninety-five for the uh, five twenty and the three forty models. Uh, the last and probably the, the simplest product in our Braille um, device family is the Orbit Writer. And this is a tiny device the size of uh, uh, your smartphone, basically. And uh, it is just a simple Bluetooth uh, keyboard for uh, a, a Bluetooth Braille keyboard that you can connect over USB or Bluetooth to your smartphone or your computer. So it's, it's really designed as a smartphone companion. And so with, with this keypad, you can control all of the functions of your, of your iPhone or your Android phone without having to really access the touchscreen. So we have lots of users you know, just keeping their phone either in their purse or pocket or on their desk and just using the keypad to remotely control it so you can navigate around the phone and uh, most importantly, you can enter text. So entering text on a touch screen is, is not ideal. And um, so this allows you to use Braille to enter text. And of course, you get speech output. So it does not have a Braille display. It is purely a key keypad. And this sells for $99. So those are our Braille displays. I'll quickly go over our tactile graphic displays. So uh, some of you might have heard about um, the graffiti uh, product that we launched. Uh, we actually uh, have been developing it for almost 10 years uh, and then finally launched it in uh, 2020. And um, we've been selling it for the last three years now. Um, 
and it's been it's been very well received. It is uh, a tactile graphic display, and it truly is the first tactile graphic display of its of its of its kind. Um, so it is an array of uh, sixty. Uh, uh, columns and 40 rows of independently refreshable pins. And so with this, the, the, the intention is to enable the user to visualize graphics. So it can display any kind of picture that, that, you, that you wish to see. Uh, drawings, charts, flow charts, floor plans, images, photographs, um, any kind of graphic. It supports a whole bunch of uh, popular file types. And one of the most unique features of this is that um, it, each pin can actually be set to multiple heights or multiple levels. So you can actually see a 3D kind of, uh, of image, like a relief drawing, uh, so to speak. And this 3D capability, this varying height of a variable height of pins can be used to present all kinds of things such as color, texture, you know, importance, uh, you know, uh, things like that. So it, uh, and it has uh, capability on board to process and filter pictures to make them more tactile friendly. So um, uh, you can also uh, create and edit pictures on this because the entire uh, surface of the device, you know, where the, where the pins are. So imagine it to be like a Braille display, but with lots of pins, uh, all of which can independently move up and down to, to paint a picture instead of just text. And um, the entire surface is a touch interface. So similar to, you know, your the touch screen on your on your phone, uh, you can, uh, with your finger, draw on it. And as you draw on it, the pins under your finger rise and uh, you can set them at different levels. You can control uh, the, the, the level at which you're drawing. So you can create pictures, you can save them onto a, an SD card or a USB stick and uh, exchange them with people. You know, it saves it in, in popular uh, formats. And um, it has a whole bunch of connectivity options. So you can hook it up to uh, computers, tablets, smartphones, you know, our uh, talking calculators uh, via either Bluetooth or USB. And um, it also has a unique interface, which is an HDMI input port. So when you connect it over this to a computer or to your phone, it identifies itself as an external monitor. And um, your computer treats it just as an external monitor, except that it is a tactile monitor. So instantly you get access to your computer screen, you can zoom in, you can pan around, you can actually uh, visualize everything that's on your on your screen, including you know whether it's you know pictures from a web page, um, PowerPoint presentations, charts, any kind of graphics, your your screen is basically mirrored onto this. So it's it's a very very, very simple, direct way to connect to a computer without any special software or drivers or anything else, it is truly plug and play. So it, you know, the, the connectivity is, is crucial in this because you know, not only can you connect it to a computer, but you can also connect it to other instruments such as microscopes or telescopes uh, for students, um, you know, oscilloscopes, or even to video cameras to provide a tactile depiction of images and videos in, in real time.
It also has a Perkins-style keypad for entering Braille. Um, you can read Braille on it, but it's not really intended for Braille. It's intended for graphics. And there's a cursor pad. And um, it uh, also comes with uh, software that, uh, for a PC that you can use to uh, create drawings, label drawings, et cetera, and see them in, in real time on the graffiti as you're creating the, the drawings. It's fully accessible. So um, now, the the challenge with um, uh, graphics or a graphic a tactile graphic display is that inherently the the tactile graphic display pins need to be um, equidistant, and that makes it very difficult to actually represent Braille correctly. So to solve this this issue and offer both uh, Braille and um, tactile graphics in a, in a single uh, unified device. We last year uh, introduced the Graffiti Plus. And that is that has essentially got all of the same functions as the Graffiti, um, but it also has a line of 40 Braille cells. And this opens up very, very unique methods of interaction. So not only can you see all of you know, your computer screen, but because this is a touch screen, you can tap on different um, parts of the screen and get the Braille translated uh, text from your screen reader onto the Braille display and be able to read it. So, uh, and in standalone mode, you can read, you know, uh, the labels associated with, the, with pictures, you can read alt text. So it opens up a whole slew of uh, new ways of interacting between um, a computer and um, the tactile graphic uh, and Braille display. So um, I know we're probably a little bit short on time, so I'll just quickly cover a couple of other, other points here. Uh, a new product that we announced uh, last year and that we're gonna be releasing um, in, the, in the next few months is the Orbit Speak. Um, some of you are probably familiar with uh, the Braille and Speak, which is a very popular device uh, offering um, basically PDA type functions, you know, so productivity functions, uh, note taking, book reading, uh, et cetera, uh, in a speech output and Braille input device. So the Orbit Speak is sort of the, the modern day version of such a device. So it's got high quality synthesized speech output, very compact pocket sized and affordable device. Comes with a suite of note taking and productivity applications uh, and you know, calendar, calculator, clock, alarms, and has the ability to uh, have its uh, capabilities extended. It's a very powerful hardware platform and we'll be um, adding more features to it as we go along, uh, such as you know, internet access to libraries, you know, uh, media playback, um, et cetera. So we're very excited about this. Uh, it's it's, it's you know, start shipping uh, in the second quarter of this year. And uh, lastly, I just want to uh, tell you about our uh, calculator products. So uh, we have uh, we have two uh, different uh, products in this line. One is a uh, graphing calculator, and the other is the scientific calculator. We have partnered with Texas Instruments, which is the, the uh, 
uh, largest manufacturer of calculators that are used in high schools. And uh, together with them, we make uh, their flagship models accessible. So these calculators are fully speech enabled. You know, every single function talks. They've got built-in help uh, modes to identify the keys. And uh, the graphing calculator also has uh, braille output and can also be connected to the graffiti or graffiti plus for uh, graphical output you know, of graphs or it basically, again, replicates the screen. So uh, with a device uh, like that, you, know, you have access to STEM subjects, to mathematics, physics, you know, almost everything in high school these days is taught with the help of these, uh, um, uh, these, these models. So um, those, are, those have been around for, for a while. They're, they're very, very popular. We continue to manufacture and support them. And um, uh, we, we're, we're working on newer models as well. And it'll be a little bit of uh, time before those come out. Um, so that I think covers mo almost all of our products. Uh, just a few seconds on the apps. So we offer two different apps. One is called the Orbit Chat, which is a, uh, a, a program, an Android app that runs uh, that can run on any android tablet or phone that allow that connects to our braille displays and allows a deafblind user to communicate um, uh, using um, a, a tablet that a sighted or blind user might use and then by entering text on their braille display they can uh, send text messages to this to this app similarly we have a an app that we call the Orbit Teacher Remote. And this is for remote learning of Braille. So with the teacher and the student having a Braille display each, uh, you can uh, remotely take control of the student's Braille display and be able to, to see what the student is doing and be able to also help them you know, type and, and learn Braille in that way. Uh, both these apps are completely free. You know, they can be downloaded from the Android App Store and uh, they are very popular and um, they are they're a complement to uh, all of our braille products and it, it's one of the things that we we try, we are trying to do to enable not only access to braille but also access to braille um, teaching so um i think i will stop here um and uh hand the microphone back to you uh jane well i have a question uh, i'll start off sure. with a question I have for the last two years lusted after an Orbit writer, but I'm afraid to buy it because I don't know all of the iPhone commands, you know, with a with Braille display. How do you make an, uh, go to a new line and all that? What documentation comes with the Orbit writer or is, is someone like Mystic Access done a tutorial um, for the Orbit writer? Because I'd buy one in a minute if I could know that somebody would tell me all of the commands and all of the iOS Braille commands. So. Yes. So the, the <laughs> thank you for that question. Uh, so the answer to both those questions is yes. So it comes with a very detailed user manual that does list all of the commands for iOS as well as for Android. And um, and by the way, these commands are also I, I believe there is an online um, access built into the iPhone as well to uh, show you what those commands I don't are. Want any braille uh, under my fingers. I don't want to go online and look for them. 
Right, right. And um, Mystic Access does have a very nice tutorial for this. So uh, for, the, for the Orbit Rider, which explains very, very well, I mean, you know, the quality of the Mystic Access uh, tutorials, They're, they do a okay. fantastic job. Well, maybe I'll be calling and ordering one Monday. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Burning a hole, a hole in your pocket, right, Jane? Yeah, really, really. Yeah. How many years have we been waiting for multi, uh, multi line, multi line access? Right. That's great when it comes to data That's tables. So and many wonderful innovative products. Yeah. We have two hands raised on oh, the panelist side. Okay, let's let's take them quickly. All right, Sandra. Hello again. Um, I. Like Jane, I have, I bought a, an Orbit writer and I could not make it work. And what was worse, I couldn't find anybody to train me on it. So if you, you know, offline, you can sort of point me in the right direction, but here's my other question. Okay, um, where can we get iBills? Cause mine have bitten the dust and I'm in need of another one. Okay. Um... So on the on the eyeball, so you can get them from the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. So you know, as you might be aware, you know the the BEP, which is part of the Department of Treasury, uh, runs their Meaningful Access Program. So you can you can call them, and uh, I think they send you a simple form to fill out, and uh, then they they mail you a, an an eyeball, um, no charge. So that's that's the that's the best way to to get it. Uh, you can also purchase it uh, from some of our our, our distributors, but uh, you know I think you know getting it from the the, the BEP is 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 a, is the simplest way. Um, I can certainly point you to um, to uh, their their website, which has I think their contact information. And uh, as far as the Orbit uh, writer is concerned, uh, absolutely, we would be very happy to you know walk you through um, uh, through its use. Also, point you to uh, some of the resources uh, that are available for it. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Mystic Access has a very nice tutorial for it. So um, I'd, I'd be I'd be happy to to point you to uh, to these resources. Thank you so much. I, that's that's a wonderful slate of products, and I, I really appreciate all the work that Orbit Research has done in, in so many areas to to make things affordable and 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 uh, and and help us in so many ways with with braille displays and and uh, and and things like that. So thank you very much for participating in our convention, Mr. Chari. Thank you. Um, You're very welcome. And uh, ju just before I go, I just want to point people to our website. It, it is just orbitresearch.com, one word. And if you would like to call us, it's 888-60-ORBIT. So that's 888-606-7248. Goody. I'm going to get an Orbit writer. I'm going to do it. Okay. Sandra, it is time for you to in introduce our next panelist. And I see that she is here. I saw her. I mean, I saw her name. Mm -hmm. I felt her name on my Braille display, basically. <laughs> so. All right. So um, this woman is somebody that I met through a mutual friend. And her name is Ro Mobley. She runs a gym. And it is called 
Iron Girls Athletics. And what I love most about her is her level of enthusiasm, how she just gets it on a basic level. And it doesn't matter whether you have a disability or not. She is as enthusiastic with me as she is with any other sighted person. And she's tireless. She, her vocabulary, the way that she demonstrates the moves, I never thought I would take, be able to take an exercise class. And because of her, I've been able to participate, participate in the boot camp for almost eight months now. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Ro Mobley. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you, Sandra, for that. I appreciate you. Um, yeah, I'm Ro Mobley, and also I own a, a gym, Iron Girls Athletics and Men of Steel, with my partner, Tanya Wells, who's here with me, joining me. Tanya. Hello, everyone. Hey. And we do have a gym, whereas um, we trained every and anybody that's looking forward to living a healthy life. Um, trying to do right and not having to have to have the doctor to tell you that you need to do right by your body. So we try to prevent that by catching that before you have to be sent to the hospital or the doctors or anything of the sort like that. So we're kind of like a preventive maintenance medical uh, advisor so that, you know, we could get you on the roll call street. So we basically just want to just want you to live a happier life and do the right thing and be able to move better and to do better. Uh, with our training, we train uh, multiple, as Sandra was saying, multiple um, or different types of people. We also work with um, uh, mental um, uh, health clients. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with DDS. Uh, we help with them when doing um, projects and working with them for about two years now. And um, we just enjoy what we do here. Uh, we love to see the progress in people. We love to see how they enjoy um, being able to move better, breathe better, sleep better. Um, as Sandra knows that, you know, she's, she's becoming a better her, uh, if I may. Um, she's reaching goals, which I'm very happy. And then when she's happy, I'm even happier. And then I can't wait till she go hiring her goals. Uh, we do that here. Um, and then, you know, although it says I'm girls, we do work with men. We have men that join us. Um, they're the men of steel. We um, just try to just be in everybody's life and participate whereas though we could help them to live a better life, basically. Okay. Um, well, I, I have, I have a question. I mean, I don't know. Well, I'm sorry. Um, do you, do you do individual training also, or is it just all in classes? I do um, personal training. Yes, I do. I okay. do personal training, which I do personal training with Sandra also, even though she joins with classes, I have boot camps at my gym. Um, we, we, my gym is a facility facility that uh, holds and it's like a one-stop shop. We do a lot of things at my facility. We incorporate um, where still we have like programs to, we do banquets, we do weight loss challenging. Uh, we work with people that want a one-on-one um, session. Uh, we do trampoline classes, um, believe it or not. And, and Sandra have done trampoline um, and you'll wonder how is that? Yes, yes. 
we make it where as though you're holding on, but you could get that good workout in. Um, we do um, fitness and nutrition, all of that too. <laughs> yes, yes. We do a um, weight loss challenge and we have banquets after the challenge so we can announce who have reached their goal and then we give out gifts with that. And that's awesome too, because we all come together and it's just not a banquet just to eat. It's there to encourage each other and to tell them or tell others, you know, what you went through and how either the struggle, because you know, we want you to tell the truth, the struggle that you have gone through, or maybe even some find it to be easy. And they didn't know it would be that easy just to learn how to eat right and to do the right thing and to stay on the right goals to reach your goal. So we are like, uh, we try to encourage, we do things, it's called happy trails. We uh, try to get people with, uh, even uh, with vision impaired, um, we're working on getting tandem bikes so that they are able to ride with us. We don't leave anybody out of this. We try to get any and everybody. We work with disabled vets. Uh, the disabled vets, you know, whereas though um, they're, they're been on any branch, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, whatever. Um, and we work with them to try to reach their goal. You know, um, that's a program that I work with that's called Healthy Mind, Healthy Bodies. So again, you know, it's no excuse. It's no excuse and no reason for you to at least uh, reach higher grounds with your health, um, doing the right thing. You do get a meal plan when you join our gym. You get a meal plan. I teach you how to go about eating, um, what to eat, how to eat, <clears throat> so that you, and then you, when you, when you learn, you realize this is something that you could do every day. It's not always something strict, you know, and I don't like to call it a diet. It's the D-I-E I cannot agree with. It's the L-I-V-E. It's a live it. And that's what we call it. So that you could be on the right road and do better for yourself, you know? And then on top of that, I always tell people to make sure that you sleep. Sleeping is so important. Sleeping is not just trying to get that rest. Um, but it helps to repair and restore your body. And it, it goes along with your, your uh, weight loss, you know, your weight loss goals. As you live every day, you need that rest so that after every workout you do, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you break down fibers, you, you're burning calories, and that body needs to be repaired. So that the next time that you come to work out, you're, you have the energy and the stamina that you need to, to continue on reaching that goal basically. And your rates are very economical, aren't they? They are. We have different types of weights. We have weights uh, ranging from two pounds to... No, the prices. Oh, you said rates of the cost. Oh, mm -hmm. thank you. I thought you said weights. Um, we have rates where as though um, when you join the gym, it's a $25 um, fee for the month. $25 fee for the month. And then if you want to join any of my classes, which we have classes from on Mondays and Wednesdays, we have a four to five, five to six, six to seven uh, class. Now those classes are monthly. And on a monthly classes are $35 a month. And you can't really beat that. That means you have eight hours with me, eight hours to work out with me in a group session and um, it's only a flat fee of $35. And believe me, when you come into those classes, you're going to enjoy yourself. You're going to let your hair down. You're going to be able to just, just enjoy where you're at and knowing that it's no fingers pointing. Nobody's talking about you. Nobody's pointing fingers, saying anything. We're just there to have a good time because it's a family-orientated place. And then we have Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, most times it's my seniors because they come in in the morning. And what they do is, 
they'll join us at nine to 10 because I have two senior classes. I have a nine to 10 and a 1030 to 1130. And again, that's a $35 fee for the month. You get eight hours with me for a low price of $35 a month. Then if you choose to, <clears throat> excuse me, you can do the personal training. Personal trainings are $25 a month. I mean, I'm sorry, $25 an hour for personal training. Um, and then again, you could join the gym and just come in as you want and work out with the equipment, um, $25 uh, a month. And that's what we offer. And again, the weights are still kind of uh, <laughs> easy too. Isn't that right, Sandra? It's not bad. Uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh. <laughs> so uh, this is Patrick. This all sounds really, really good. Um, what, a couple of questions. Um, when you're coming in for the exercise, let's say during the week, is that done on mats or what are you doing there? And then the second part of the question is the equipment that you have, what kind of equipment do you have there? Uh, if you were just going to work out on the equipment. Okay, so we do have mats. We do have plenty of mats so that we make sure that everybody's taken care of. You do not have to bring anything. We equip you with everything that you need here at Iron Girls Athletics. Um, we have all types of different workout equipment. Uh, first of all, I love um, strength training. Strength training is like my main thing. I am also a bodybuilder, and I like to get people to at least get toned. Um, we also work with a, a universal equipment, whereas though it does multiple types of workouts, uh, cable cords, we do, you could do abs, you could do strength training, you could do weights, you could do, um, what is it, the wheel, you could do the everything. ab wheel, yeah. the leg press. Tell it. Now, we have that, we have, you do, you're right, we have the leg press, we got the abductor, adductors, we have... Um, uh, extensions and curls. So we, we have quite a few, we have a treadmill, we have um, uh, stair masters. <clears throat> we have, of course- Trampolines. Oh yes, plenty of those. And then we also have, if you're wanting a good conditioning workout, we have a boxing bag, well, two of them that you could come up and we box. Nancy Herb is the co-host now. We, we do a, a conditioning with that, with the addition, with the um, battle rope. How so, are you boxing? I don't follow that. Oh, we, you, you you do with boxing gloves. You're you're stood in front of a, a, a bag, a punching bag. Yeah. We have a, a timer. And then, of course, we have the music. And I place you in front of the bag, whereas though when you're punching, you're extending your arm to where you could just tap that bag. And mm -hmm. we do that with uh, like um, eight, eight circuits. Um, and you're counting on a one, a two, a four, and an eight count. And I really would have to demonstrate and let you see and get the feel of it. <laughs> so it's really nice. I mean, Sandra, it's are you doing, are you using the bank, Sandra? Yes, I am. Yes, oh, I am. Yes. Keep, me, keep me away from Sandra. I'm oh. going to demonstrate anytime you want. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yes, so so we, we do, we work with the bags and then I call that the conditioning phase with the um, battle rope. I don't know if you're familiar with the battle rope, but we do a 30 second on that at least five times. What's so, the battle rope? The battle rope is a rope, but it's kind of heavy. You have them in different um, weight sizes, whereas though it's a 25, a 35, a 45 and a 55. So this rope <clears throat> has two handles. You have the handle in both hands and you're like going up and down with the rope 
and it works the whole body. It's heavy. So yeah. you know that you're getting a workout in because you got to keep that, that rope going down that aisle. It's like making waves for like 30 seconds. And you're doing that four to maybe five sessions, um, four to five, 30 seconds each time. And that works the whole body. And you're like squatted, but your arms are moving and you're sending out waves. You all, you all should just come and give it a try. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the cool thing <clears throat> is, one of the things that I love is that um, at Rose Gym, she has all of the traditional equipment, but she is really good with using things that we can get at home. So like the um, ab wheel, you can get that from Five Below. And the resistance bands and the free weights, all yes. those things you can get from, I got them at the, um, yeah, five and below. And, and you can get the ball. You can get that. Yeah, um, and a ball, and a ball, oh, and a ball. Yeah. That's my favorite, the ball. Yeah. And and get a workout so that you can, even if you can't make it in every day or whatever, you can still give yourself a good home workout. And then what I try to do is so that when I'm training you, I'm teaching you some of the things that you could do at home. Like when we work with the, um, the four pound bar. You know, even yep. if you don't have a four pound bar, you could go in your kitchen and get uh, maybe a broomstick, something of mm -hmm. the sort of that, and do a workout where so you take the broomstick over your head, take it to your leg, bring it back to your head and lay it down. You could do that. And that works the ads. <clears throat> so, yes, I, I train you in, in, in a way where so, um, you can go home and go in your cupboard and take uh, two cans of pork and beans and do uh, curls, bicep curls or shoulder press, you know, something of sort like that. So I do do that. So it'd be no excuse for you not to be able to get a workout in. No way that you could say, uh, not today. Every day should be a day of working out with whatever you have at home, push-ups, which we call mimosas, you know, because it's endless. We like to do that. Um, toe touches, it's, it's no excuse. No excuse. So and that's stretching like. and the and she <laughs> even has us take over the class, right? So yes, I'm yes. doing the demos. It's it's the each one teach one. So as I teach you and show you the proper form, I'm like wanting to see what it is that you really learn because I'm a trainer to teach you. So you got to teach me that you really understand what I've taught you. So basically, tell them what I did to Vanessa. Oh, I think you were trying to teach Vanessa how to go <laughs> being a trainer, you know, and that was cute. I, I enjoyed that because Vanessa was like, oh, OK, let me know what, what it is I need to know. And then I, she was surprised that you knew the multiple stuff that you you taught her because she didn't she wouldn't have probably expected that. You know, no, so Vanessa <clears throat> is she's a um, she just finished her internship as a trainer mm -hmm. and. She, you know, she's a wonderful person, but she's a typical sighted person, which means, you know, she wants to, okay, do this, do that. Okay, but what's this and what's that? So I like, even though I knew the exercises, when she said lean forward, I deliberately leaned backward <laughs> because I wanted her to not shut down, but okay, wait, she's doing this wrong. What can I do to sort of encourage her to do this correctly? You know, and so Finally, she lifts me up and, okay, no, move this way. And she pushes my torso down forward, you know, which is what I wanted her to do, you know? Yes, yes. And so and that's the massages. Tell them about the massages too. Like you're full, you have a full um, service spot because you have massages and other stuff. 
pole dance? Yeah, we have the esthetician. We, so again, our spot, Iron Girls Athletics, is a one-stop shop. Of course, we talk about nutrition. We teach you about how to go about eating. We supply you with um, meal plans um, if you wanting to lose weight. Uh, if you want to build muscles, we, we have all the meal plans here. We have someone to prepare your meals if you like. She's available for, to prepare your meals for the week. Uh, she usually does um, lunch and dinners and not breakfast, but you will get a meal plan for your breakfast that you are, you know, apply for yourself. But she'll, she'll do the lunch and dinners, which is at a reasonable price uh, for the week, about $100 that is for the week. Um, also, we have an esthetician here and she um, works on your skin, of course. She works on waxing. She does waxing. She does um, uh, what waxing, uh, facial, facial care, yes. all of that maintenance of skin Extract maintenance. Yes, extractions, uh, mm -hmm. any blackheads, whiteheads, or anything of the sort. And she recommends great products for you yes. after serve. She also mm -hmm. talks to you and coach you into how to care for your skin. So we have that. Uh, we have. Um, Tasha, now, Tanya, Tanya, wait a minute. Tanya's going to tell you what she's offering on her spa. Okay, okay so full med spa along with the workout facility. The med spa is the institution that we just spoke to you about, but we also offer teeth whitening services, uh, body cavitation, fat dissolve, body sculpt, uh, infrared detox, uh, body wrap services. Um, outside of that, we also have group classes. Now, this isn't the med spa, of course, but just in terms of everything that we have under one roof. So outside of the personal training, we do offer Zumba classes. Uh, we have spin classes, which is spin 101, regular spin. We do do uh, pop-ups for different type of fitness events to help you stay healthy. So there's just a whole gamut of services that we do offer here. And along with Row. Um, being the lead trainer and the owner, we also have three other personal trainers in here. So it's enough to meet everybody where they are in terms of their needs. I'm interested in those food, the food. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that we, when we do that, but that's something that is, is healthy. So, you yeah. know, I hope that's what you are looking forward to doing. Yes. Do you have to come and pick it up or is it shipped or how do you oh, get well, it? When you talk to the lady that prepares your food, she'll make arrangements. Either you could come and pick it up or she'll meet you at your home or mm. at your job or wherever it is that you're, you're located. Wow. Yeah. She, she's, she's awesome. She's really awesome. And uh, where is your gym located? We're at 5,900. Excuse me. Oh, okay. I thought Tony was saying something. We're at 5,900 Princess Garden Parkway. And that's in Lanham, Maryland. Lanham, okay. 706 Suite, 705, 704-705. We're like okay. on both ends. Cool. Yeah, so it's 705. Let's say 705. Cool. We have a 704 and 705 opening, okay. door open. So we, we, we cover a multitude of things here. Uh, we also have boot camps on Saturdays. We have boot camps, and that's a two-hour boot camp. Uh, the cost of that would be... Um, twenty dollars for two hours. <clears throat> we not only stay inside, we go outside. We venture outside at the. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, FedEx Field where our commanders play. 
Um, we're out there. We work out outside because um, we know that not all the time you have to stay inside to get a workout. We adventure outside. Uh, we, we do things with the tires, of course, conditioning with the battle rope. <clears throat> and we just, we just do a whole lot of stuff outside. When it's outside, sky is the limit. You mm-hmm. do truly get a good workout, which I love. I love the boot camps. Going up those stairs. Oh, <laughs> yes. And then we do go to, st- we do the stairs. We go back up and down the stairs. We do, um, we, I mean, what all I could say is that come on out and get a feel of what we have for you. It's, it, it, you'll go home happy. Okay, you'll be sleepy too. But you'll go home happy knowing that you have con- conquered what you need um, for your body. Thank you so much, Ro. You're welcome. I sure hope to see you all uh, come up and at least give us a visit. Pay us a visit. That's wonderful. Yeah. Exercise is so important. All this, these things that you're, you're talking about doing, and they're so important for our lifestyle. And uh, that's really wonderful. It is. It is. And then, you know, we have seminars that we do seminars on eating right. Uh, we will, we have one that's coming up that's called uh, I Eat Right, But Why Am I Still Fat? You know, I would like for you guys to come out and hear that. Um, we have a banquet that's coming up, an eight-week uh, eight challenge. And um, I do believe Sandra is a part of that. Am I right, Sandra? Yes, ma'am. So far, I lost 30 pounds. Yes, yes, I love to hear that. Thank you. I love to hear that. That means you're a lady on the goal. You're making sure you're doing right and loving yourself. You have a question on the panelist side, Vanessa. I commend you for the for this work that you do, because in the past, you know, pre-pandemic, when we could attend conventions in person, whether it was a local convention or a national convention, I have some vision and I was always so alarmed by the number of blind and visually impaired folks that I saw who were just morbidly obese. Now, granted, sometimes that had to do with a lack of access to a gym. Sometimes it may have been a situation where they had a a genuine medical problem that, you know, maybe medication that they're on or whatever. Um, Sometimes it would be, yeah, we've got access to a gym, but the equipment's not accessible. The staff don't want to work with us so on and so forth. So I applaud you a thousand percent uh, only because of of what I was just so shocked um, and, and, and felt I I was disturbed by the, by the amount of obesity that I saw at the national and state conventions. I really was Mm. just, it, it just, it, it, it made me wonder what are these people's life expectancies going to be, you know, you know? Yes. Yes. So thank you, thank you, thank you very much for what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks again, Ro. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks I appreciate very you. much. Hope to see you all soon. My name is Anthony Corona. I am an education outreach coordinator for a uh, consultant for Democracy Live. I currently live in Florida, grew up in New York. Um, I lost my sight about six years ago. That's um, about four and a half years ago is when I joined the American Council of the Blind. A lot of different things led me to Democracy Live, including a lot of voter advocacy within the state of Florida um, and working with Clark Rockfeld and our advocacy team on certain things, especially Legislative Week. 
which our next one is coming up, as you know. Um, one of the reasons that we wanted to talk to folks in Maryland is because Maryland just became one of the Democratic trifecta states. There are 17 of them currently. And more importantly, Maryland has two bills, one in the House and one in the Senate, which is an exploration or it would direct legislators to explore using electronic ballot return for both ADA, which is disabled voters, and overseas officers and um, residents who would be voting overseas. So it's really important um, that you, your advocacy teams know that this is happening and begin to, you know, to work amongst yourselves to advocate for this. So the full electronic ballot return demo that I'm going to just that I'm going to demo for you right now is very easy to use. I am using a Windows PC um, JAWS, but it works on a combination of 96 different, you know, um, browsers and screen readers, basically covered, period. If you have a device, you'd be able to a bunch of easy screens and we're going to walk it through we're going to walk through it now the first screen that you come to is your instruction page and your voter lookup page so we're going to listen as we go through this voter lookup heading level one main landmark please fill in the field to access your ballot first name First name star sample text field required so for use of this demo um, the name is obviously Sample Voter. We picked a generic birth date of 1199. That's your voter lookup. So we're going to go to the continue button and go to the next screen. Last name. Last name star. Voter. Birth date. Star. Month. One. Pop. D-A-Y. One. Pop. Year. 1999. Continue. Button. And. Main. Searching. Ellipsis. Dimmed. And. Main. Verification, heading level one, next landmark. So this is your verification screen. Depending on what state you would be in, which for Maryland, you guys don't have it yet, depending on how they set up the system, they would either send you a pin or you'd use the last four digits of your social or something of that ilk. When you get your instructions, the um, what you would need as your verification pin will be in those instructions. It's already been entered for us. So we're going to look at that and then hit continue. Please enter PIN to verify your identity. PIN. PIN star, four characters, secure text field, required. Continue, button, and main. Searching, ellipsis, dimmed, and main. Privacy policy, link. Vertical lock, technical support, tool, ballot marking, heading level one. Landmark. So you can use either your tab or your arrow keys on the Mac. You wouldn't use tab. You'd use your VO and arrow keys. This, as it just told you, is the ballot marking screen. It's going to give us a set of instructions and then take us to the contest. So let's take a listen. Your ballot is presented below. To mark your selection, click on the checkbox. To remove a selection, click on the checkbox again. To vote for a qualified writing candidate who is not listed on the ballot, click the checkbox beside the right item space at the end of the candidate list, then type the candidate's name in the space. 
official ballot heading level two. All right. So at this point, we're about to enter the contest. As you heard, it tells you to select and you can deselect if you accidentally select. It also each contest will have the option for a write in candidate. So we're going to start marking our contest, and I'm going to let you know right now that I'm going to make a deliberate mistake in one of the contests. So when we're in the review your ballot section, we can go back and show you how easy it is to correct a mistake. So let's listen to the contest. Election. Omni ballot demo election. Heading level two. Ballot style. Demo ballot. Heading level two. Or a senator. Heading level three. Vote for not more than one. So they're telling us we can only vote for one candidate. Three checkboxes. Form start. There is Santa Claus. Checkbox. Uncheck. Ebenezer Scrooge. Checkbox. Uncheck. Write in. Checkbox. Uncheck. Form end. So there are three checkboxes for two candidates and your writing candidate. For this contest, we're going to select Santa Claus because who doesn't think Santa Claus would make a great senator? Ebenezer screwed. Santa Claus. Checkbox. Unchecked. Checked. Ebenezer Scrooge. Write in. Skip to bottom. Blank. Or representative to Congress. Heading level three. Vote for not more than one. So we're in our second contest. This is for House Representative. Again, voting for only one candidate. Four checkboxes. Form start. Amelia Earhart. Checkbox. Unchecked. Charles Chuck Yeager, checkbox, unchecked. Charles Lindbergh, checkbox, unchecked. Write in, checkbox, unchecked. So it told us that there were four contests, and of course, the fourth one would be the write in. Here is where I'm going to make a deliberate mistake. I'd like to vote for Amelia Earhart, but I'm going to pick Chuck Yeager so that we can fix the mistake in the review portion. Charles Lindbergh, Charles Chuck Yeager, checkbox, unchecked. And now we'll move to the next contest. Charles, write in. Skip to bottom. City Council. Heading level three. Vote for not more than two. Ah, here's a different contest. Now we're at City uh, city Council, and it's telling us that we can vote for two. So let's see how many candidates are on the ballot. Five checkboxes. Form start. Johnny Cash. Checkbox. Unchecked. Elvis Presley. Checkbox. Unchecked. Dolly Parton. Checkbox. Unchecked. Write in one of two checkbox unchecked. Write in two of two checkbox unchecked. Four men. Since there are two choices, there are also two write-in choices. So I'm going to choose Dolly Parton and Elvis Presley for this contest. Dolly Parton, Elvis Presley, checkbox unchecked. Dolly Parton, checkbox unchecked. Checked. And now we can move on to the next contest. Right, right in, skip to bottom, for City Waste Director, heading level three. Vote for not more than one. All right, not more than one, which means we will have one write-in field, and we're going to use the write-in field for this contest. Two checkboxes, form start, must drive, William McDougal, checkbox, unchecked, write-in, checkbox, unchecked, form end. All right, so Dr. William McDougal, or the write-in, we're going to check that. Checked. And then when we scroll or use our tab, it gives us the text fields, which we're going to enter my boss, Charlie K. For city waste director, vote for two checkboxes. Drive, write, skipped, article, vote yes, art, skip, write in, text field, form end, insertion point, delete, 
Pepsi, Pepsi, H, H, A, A, R, R, L, L, I, I, R, E, E, space, Charlie, A, Skip, Cap, A, Cap, K, I, I, B, N, 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 U, U, N, N, October, E, E, Skip to bottom, articles, right in text field. All right. So, searching point at all. So we wrote in my boss, Charlie. I hope he doesn't fire me for that or for the internet <laughs> issues today. We're going to go on. There is one more contest. Now, shall chapter one, section 103 of the Votersville City Charter be hereby amended as follows. Chapter one, incorporation in general provision, section 103, wards established. There shall be reward for the city of Votersville and the boundaries of the ward shall be fixed from time to time by the board of civil authority subject to the approval of the city council. The shall be fixed so as to provide equal or near equal distribution of population among the three wards in accordance with the most recent federal census. Well, that sounds pretty straightforward in the made up city of Votersville. They are selecting wards. So we're going to choose yes for this. In checkboxes, form star, yes, checkbox, write in text, shell chap, vote yes or no, shell chapter, two checkboxes, yes, checkbox, unchecked, checked. All right, and now we're going to find the continue button. Checkbox, unchecked, skip to go back, but continue button. And as you see, as you see there, there's a go back. You could go back if you needed to for any reason. We're going to hit continue and go to the review page. Change for a senator. Skip to bottom. Change for a senator. Santa Claus for us. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. So here we are. Our senator was Santa Claus. So let's see if we have that. Ballot style for a senator. Santa Claus. Okay. Our next contest was for representatives. Change for a senator. Skip to bottom for representative to Congress. Heading level for Charles Chuck Yeager. Oh, that's where we made the mistake. So we're going to go to the change button and we're going to select our proper candidate. Change for representative to Congress button. Show for representative to Congress. Heading level three. So we're going to need to uncheck Chuck Yeager. Four checkboxes. Amelia Earhart. Charles Chuck Yeager. Checkbox. Checked. Unchecked. And now we're going to go up to Amelia Earhart. Checkbox. Unchecked. And then we're going to go back to the review. Right in. Go back to review. Skip to go back to review page button. Skip for representatives to Congress. Heading level three. Now we'll check the rest of our contests. Amelia Earhart. Change for representative. Skip to bottom. City Council. Heading level. Elvis Presley. Dolly Parton. That was change correct. city council, but skip to bottom for city waste director heading level for right in Charlie Kenyon. Yeah. Change for city waste director, skip to bottom article one heading level three. Yes, change article one, skip to bottom, go back button, continue button, and main. All right, so for at this point, it's going to take us to our sign and submit. Signature, heading level one, main, landmark. Please sign your name in the space provided below. Tap to sign, but go back, button, tap to sign, button. Tap signature pad, disabled, web dialogue, signature pad, disabled. Rotate your device, cancel, but toolbar, tap, si please, signature pad, refresh, button, address, 
Sites got up refract signature pad disable web dialog signature pad signature pad disable please rotate your device for a full screen signature pad cancel button toolbar app button signature pad disable web app can't tap to sign button so we're going to click the tap to sign app signature pad disable signature pad disable and tap to sign button okay app signature pad disable web please rotate or cancel button i think it wants me to rotate but it's the phone so it's not gonna let me do it all right so i'm gonna have to walk you through this part because it's the phone um at that point you would it would bring a box up or you could hit the manually type your name as a signature that's what i would suggest once you hit that there's um a submit button and a page will come up with confirmation that your ballot has been submitted. These ballots are being used in seven states, including Massachusetts, where our the immediate past president of ACB, Kim Charlson, has been quoted in several articles about how easy and independent it was for her to vote from the comfort of her own home. And hopefully you guys in Maryland will be experiencing that in the next election cycle. So I can take any questions that you have um, and we are more than willing to provide more information for the affiliate um, were you to consider advocating for these two bills in your house and Senate right now. So I'll take any questions. Hey, Vanessa. Um, when you're getting to the area where you have to check uh, a checkbox, um, is it just automatically assumed that you hit the space bar? I'm wondering this uh, because of perhaps a fairly new JAWS user um, might need a prompt that says, you know, uh, either select, uh, so either hit the, ugh, I can't talk, space bar or the enter key. Both of them work, um, and the reason that you're not getting the instructions is because I'm using a JAWS simulator on a phone because we don't okay. have internet. But usually, it would tell you to hit the space bar, okay. um, and like we saw, you can double, you can hit the space bar a second time if you accidentally hit it on a candidate you're not interested in. And of course, during the review period, you can do the same thing. Okay, very cool, very nice, very intuitive. It's a it's a very easy system. And um, I can forward you guys the articles that Kim was quoted in, and you can get more information from that as well. All right, who's next? Pat. Hey, Anthony. Hi, hey, Steve. Pat, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing, sir. Very good. Good job on that demo. That's, that was nicely done. Uh, my question uh, is on the, on the signature piece, which I understand you can't do on the phone. Uh, I thought it interesting that it would accept um, me typing my name in, and that's verified signature. I would think you would have, we would run into more problems on making sure the signatures are correct. We've, we've always run into that with absentee voting also. How do on, I know that's me? So on that, I, I, I am not a hundred percent sure. And I will come back to you with, with yeah. a full answer on this, but yeah. I believe that the way you would, um, you would call your local elections official mm. to sign up for the ballot itself. And so if you're issued a pin or however it is, they're going to verify 
through your application that you're yeah. you and using that pin. So I think that the signature, and like I said, I'm gonna verify this, but I think that the signature is just a formality. Right. Um, because when you're electronically signing, it doesn't look like when you what you sign with a pen. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know if the, whatever on the two-factor authentication, that would be kind of interesting to know. Okay. You know, sidebar note, I just wanna let everyone know that the Democracy Live system runs through systems that were created by the Department of Defense um, and the Department of Justice, and it runs on the Amazon enterprise system. So it is it is the most secure network you could possibly be on. So once they've given you whatever form of pin you're going to put in, I'm pretty sure that's your verification. You know, that would be interesting to know, Anthony. I'm sure that would come up with how secure is this system. And I know we've got uh, on the federal side, FedRAMP and all that sort of stuff. It would be good to know the levels of security that a system like this would have, particularly if we're going to go sell it and speak to it too. Uh, yeah, and you know when we do more in-depth le legislative mm -hmm. conversations, there's some of that that we can disclose. But the levels of security, you know, being through the Department of Justice and right. um, the DoD, yeah. we're never going to be able to say these are all of the steps, these are all of the safeguards. But we can give you a general idea of the layers. Yeah, yeah. The, the layers of yeah, just layers. Yeah. Of, I don't I'm, I don't pretend to understand FedRAMP security for federal. I just know that if we have that level of security for, for federal systems in my agency, they're happy. And if you don't have it, they're unhappy. But I can't you know, speak to it. So, yeah, levels of certification, that's just good to know so we can sound intelligent. Good. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Thank you. And Jane Corona is next. Okay. Thank you. Not related, everyone. Not related. We already went <laughs> through that. But I wouldn't that. mind we if said... we were. <laughs> no, we're not related. Spelled different. Um, okay, so after you've signed this form, then you submit it. And what, I mean, the ones that we have now, I guess, for absentee ballot, it, it, you print it on a piece of paper or something, then somebody has to, to actually take that and print it, I mean, and transfer your data onto an actual official ballot. So how does this differ? I mean, you 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 sign it and you submit it, I guess, and it goes somewhere. Is it just it like goes, if somebody had had done an a an a absentee ballot with a pen? Yes. Yeah, I, Anthony, that, I can you know right. step. Um, <clears throat> thank you, and nice job, Anthony. Nice job troubleshooting this. Thank you, uh, ACB Maryland, for um, your patience and um, and Anthony for um, you know troubleshooting this and and getting it up and running. So I appreciate that. Um, at any point during the process of marking the ballot and submitting the ballot, you can you know you can print it. It's a paper based remote system, and so the election office will um will get a, a warning isn't the right term but we'll get an alert that your ballot is in the cloud and they will go grab it and pull it down um and they will then print it right onto a you know right onto the 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 ballot so your ballot ends up looking like everybody else's that's good 
Um, and then it's fed through the tabulator like every other absentee ballot. Um, Which is how they've been doing military um, balloting for years now. And it's a very secure and safe system. Does that help, Jane? That's good. That's that. That's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The you know the key with uh, with our system um, with our Omni ballot, you know, and our Omni ballot tablet. Um, we are also in the hardware business as well. Um, is this idea of a uniform ballot, and that everybody's ballot looks the same, so nobody's ballot looks different. You know, and we're we're extremely proud of that. And at any point in this process, um, you know, you can you can print, um, you know, you can print the ballot on your end. You can print it and save it on their end. They can print it, you know, right before they tabulate it. We also have a verification tool. Um, that's why we call it the Omni Ballot, because with this Omni Ballot, you get a sample ballot. Um, you get the option of having a sample ballot so you can study your ballot long before you want to mark it, you know, um, and it has a verification tool. Um, and so that verification tool um, can be, you know, can can warn you and let you know that, um, you know, the office has received your, you know, the office has received your, uh, uh, your ballot. And that's that's always nice to know, you know, um, and um, I believe that in that verification part, um, it can read the ballot back to you to make to make sure that, you know, it is your ballot, you know, and those were your choices. So that that's a key and that's a key component to security. Um, you know, we Pat brought up security and and we are. Uh, the, our Omni ballot has been has been reviewed by CISA and all, you know, uh, all major verification system, you know, tool systems and organizations. You know, it's it, 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 we store this and we work with Amazon um, in their federally approved cloud that is used by the CIA, the FBI, um, you oh, know, okay. Homeland right. Security and all that. Yes. Diane? I live in what I think is the rather backward state of Michigan, and we do have the um, we do have the uh, democracy live ballot, but we have to um, fill it out and print it and stick it in send an envelope. It. Yeah sign the envelope, put it in another envelope and send it to our election officials. Um, so I guess my question is, this um, signature that you were demonstrating, does that ballot still have to be handled by someone or does that go directly somewhere to where it's counted and they don't have to do anything? It goes directly That's my first to... Question. It goes directly to your elections office where it's printed and put directly into the tabulation machine. And that's what I that's what I was demonstrating today. That's what we call full electronic ballot return. Um, like I said, they've been using it in seven states, one of them, of course, being Massachusetts with uh, Kim, who can give us some more information at some point as well. But um, what you're talking about is the absentee 
electronic ballot. Um, and that's being used in 26 states, I believe, um, including mm-hmm. my home state, which is Florida. And I personally used it this year. Um, what I did was at about five days later, I called my elections office and asked them if they had received my ballot. Um, yeah. They did. And um, I didn't ask them to read it back to me because I had had cited verification once it was printed out. Um, mm-hmm. I asked somebody to take a look at it. But yeah, so what they're using in Michigan, but I would like to tell you this, Michigan also is a trifecta state. So now um, more than any time in the last 12 years, I believe for Michigan um, would be a time to advocate for full electronic ballot return rather than the absentee system they're currently using. Yeah, that would be, that was my question about what we would have to do. Does that have to be legislated you know, that change or, you know, how, how would we go about doing it? It does. And there are a bunch of states that are, that are advocating for it. Florida being one of them. Um, I I am not as familiar with the history of Michigan elections as I am with certain other states, but if, you know, ACB of Michigan is interested, I can do some more research and we can have one of these for, um, Michigan as well doesn't necessarily have to be during convention. We can set up a demo and a conversation. Yeah, and I've oh. I've worked with Milena Vanderwall and uh, Becca Koistra there in Michigan, um, and we have given uh, demonstrations um, at at the at their convention. Um, right. And so Michigan was one of the very first states to sign on with a statewide um, contract. And it it's a hundred percent accessible up until they ask you to print it, and that's what we're running into. Then it becomes you know it's yeah. A lot of people are saying that they don't have access to printers, you know, and that well, you're exactly right. And why would you? I mean, I've I've heard statistics um, that'll tell you that you know uh, print print challenged um, print challenged people don't have printers. And so a judge in North Carolina came out in his ruling, a federal judge in North Carolina, because their ACB, um, uh, their American, their American Council of the Blind affiliate uh, sued the state. And so the federal judge, a federal judge came out and in his ruling came out and said, you know, demanding that a voter have a printer. Um, and he likened it to, you know, a, a, a you know, a, uh, a kind of a Jim Crow law, you know, on voting mm-hmm. and that um, really it was like a um, literacy test or or um, a poll tax. You know, basically he, he said, yeah. poll, he used the term poll tax. This is this is just like a poll tax expecting somebody to have, you know, something like this. So, yeah, I, I happen to have one because I, I do print out print stuff you know, on a fairly regular basis, but, um, okay. So I base, I guess basically what you're saying then is that I should check with Milena. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Milena, Milena is who I work with the most. Um, okay. um, and so, um, you know, I, 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 I believe information that I'm getting, I'm, be, I, I believe that, um, your state is leaning in leaning into the electronic ballot return. I don't want to start a rumor, Um, but I know that they're, 
tentacles are up um, is the best way for me to say, uh, you know, to say well, this, that they if we, understand. If we, can, if we can get it, if we can get them to, you know, to, to not just lean and go all the way, that that, yeah. that would make me very happy. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Diane. And um, Melina and I will, we've, we've had a conversation. I'm sure we'll be speaking soon. Pardon me? I, I said, I'm sure I will be speaking with Melina again soon. We've already had a conversation. Oh, okay. Okay, great. I'll get awesome. in touch with her Thank too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Are there any other hands? Not at this time, no. <clears throat> All right. Well, first off, Charlie, thank you so much for stepping up and pinch hitting. I know you were just supposed to observe. Marilyn, thank you so much for your patience. Um, it was definitely trying getting myself up on here. Um, Zoom made a liar out of me. There's a hand now. <laughs> All right. Let's take it. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Vanessa. Uh, to me again, real quick, with the pen that you're issued, is that just unique to each election? That's my cat you hear, by the way. Ronan says hello. Um, or is that a pin that, that you permanently keep? No, you're given a pin for each election cycle. Okay. You, you would, yeah, you would have to re, uh, re-inform them for the next cycle that you're using the electronic ballot return again. And okay. you'd be another pin. Okay. Thanks. You're welcome. Last call for a hand check. All right. No nope. So like I said, thank you all so much for your patience. I will follow up with the additional articles that Kim was featured in. And um, hopefully you guys will decide to do some advocating and we can talk again soon. Charlie, again, thank you so much for pinch hitting and have a great rest of your convention. I know Gabriel is going to give a great speech tomorrow night at the banquet. Looking forward to it. <laughs> great. Thank you, Anthony. Thank, thank yeah, you so and much. Just real quickly, there's two bills. Um, those those um uh the bills the bill in the house is h645 and the bill in the senate is s488 again h645 and in the senate it's s488 um those are the bills that um that you know your state is is considering right now um to at least explore this um i haven't read the bills myself just found out about them actually earlier today so um that might be something that your organization or your legislative committee could take a look at um explore and then do your outreach and do your advocacy and do what you do best um and that's that's i would just leave your group with you know great job with the advocacy um keep it going um sometimes we don't think that those politicians are listening but they are listening you know emails phone calls both of them matter they have staff you know they have hired staff specifically for you know uh, for casework like that so um i would encourage all to reach out encourage your legislators your senators and your representatives to you know, consider passing those bills so you can move forward. There's also situations where the Secretary of State or the lead 
election officer in the state in your state or any state has just stepped forward and said you know what we're going to offer this it's the right thing to do i'm going to show some some leadership here and i'm going to go for it and um you know that's been that's that's work too so we think right now the gold standard in the ebr around the country is massachusetts so if you know folks there kim charleston is uh, you know, is one of the people um, that, you know, obviously has lent her um, comments back to us. Um, David Kingsbury, their president, I'm on the phone with quite a bit. So um, their secretary of state and their um, election director, Michelle Tassinari, are, you know, they're they're on the cutting edge and and really leading the way on this. And and I know that Michelle Tassinari is spending time with her um you know, peers around the country explaining how they're getting it done and how they're doing it. So, um, so hopefully Marilyn can follow. So thank you for your time. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And just a reminder, folks, when you are reaching out, it is your state representatives and, and um, senators, not your national representatives. Right. Not that they don't care, but you <clears throat> you want to go to the to the right person and not be redirected <laughs> yeah yeah all right Perfect. thank you anthony thank, thank you so you. much have a great night Very everyone much. great thank you well we have one more presentation it's a recorded yep. presentation from leader dog from leader dog yeah Carrie, you were the one that that honchoed this one i well, did and sorry guys that um she was un unable to come um but we do have a recording, and so there won't be any questions afterwards. You'll just have to write Leader Dog, I guess, to get to you. 22 the, uh... minutes long, I think. Yep. Okay, let's take it away. Hey, everyone. There we go. Thank you for there joining me today to learn more about the Leader Dog programs. Uh, today's presentation is going to cover all of the programs and services that Leader Dog is currently offering. My name is Leslie Haskins. I'm a certified orientation and mobility specialist, as well as the outreach services and community engagement manager at LeaderDog. On the screen here, we have a blue screen with a white LeaderDog logo. The logo is a side view of a guide dog in harness, kind of showing only the front half of the dog, and it's inside of a circle. There are arrows to the left, right, and on top above uh, the, the logo, similar to that of a compass. Underneath it, it says Leader Dogs for the Blind, and then the title of the presentation, which is Leader Dog Programs. We're gonna go ahead and get started. So Leader Dogs for the Blind is a nonprofit organization, and we're located in Rochester Hills, Michigan. We were established in 1939, and we work every day towards our mission of empowering people who are blind or visually impaired with lifelong skills for safe and independent daily travel. On the screen here, we have a white screen with our mission statement written in white writing. Uh, the mission statement is that of which I just read. Additionally, Leader Dog does not receive federal or state funding and receives no payments from insurance companies, which means Leader Dog relies on voluntary contributions to fulfill our mission. With that being said, all of the programs and services that are going to be mentioned here today are completely free. And that includes room, board, and airfare. So before we get too far into our programs and services, I first like to talk about who qualifies for these services or basically who we can serve. 
So many times we do have a little bit more flexibility on who we're able to serve. And I like to talk about that so we can remove some of those barriers ahead of time. The first one I have listed on the screen is no, vocation, no vocational goals required, meaning that clients who are interested in applying for any of these services do not have to have a goal to get back into the workforce. We kind of remove that barrier and anybody is welcome to apply. Secondly, we have no upper age restrictions. Our goal is to serve people throughout their entire lifespan. Uh, therefore, we don't have any upper age limits. All of our programs currently start at age 16 and allow all the way up into 80s and sometimes even 90s we've served people. Thirdly, on the screen, we have no limit on number of service hours. Again, we have a little bit more flexibility on who we can serve and how we can serve. And with that goal of serving people throughout their entire lifespan, we're hoping that people will come back for multiple programs, whether that be O&M, camp, and guide dog, or maybe multiple guide dogs or multiple weeks of O&M, whatever that individual needs. And lastly on the screen, we have no formal referral necessary. So while we absolutely love collaborating and working with other professionals in the field, we're removing that barrier as well. Applicants can simply go online to start an application and or give us a call. We don't need a formal referral from another professional. Again, always appreciated, but not required. So the three programs LeaderDog is currently focusing on that we're offering in person are our guide dog, orientation and mobility, and our teen summer camp. So again, these programs are all completely free, including room, board, and airfare. On the screen, I have guide dog listed with the guide dog icon, which is again, um, that side view of the guide dog in harness inside of a circle. We have our orientation and mobility program, which is that long white cane training. This logo, or I'm sorry, icon is of a stick figure walking with a long cane inside of a circle. And then the icon for teen summer camp is a tent inside of a circle. So the first program, and of course the one we're most known for is our guide dog program. This is when clients are specifically matched with a guide dog to fit their individual needs. Our guide dog mobility instructors spend a lot of time getting to know the people our applicants, as well as our dogs before making the perfect match. So some things that they're taking into consideration would be a client's pace, how fast they walk, uh, the training environment, or I'm sorry, the working environment in which they travel. So is it a rural environment, urban, and also just their daily living, their situation. So do they work in a school? Are they going to be around small children all the time? Do they maybe live on a farm and are going to be around horses or cows? What is their environment like so that we can make sure the guide dog is going to be successful in that environment? So on the screen here, we have a lovely photo of a gentleman sitting on a stone wall and he's wearing a hat and sunglasses and he's kind of bent over and hugging his yellow Labrador uh, leader dog who is in harness. So our guide dog program is offered to individuals who are 16 years or older, legally blind, and have good independent travel skills to be successful with a guide dog. All right, so because Litter Dog is dedicated to making each experience unique and fit the individual needs of our clients, we're currently offering our guide dog program in a couple of different formats. 
So the first one being our on-campus or residential program. This is taking place on our campus in Rochester Hills, Michigan, and is about three weeks long. So clients would come, stay on campus, receive that training from our guide dog mobility instructors, um, and get to know their dog and work together alongside of peers kind of going through the same thing. So a couple benefits of the on-campus program are usually that it's got the shortest wait list. Um, clients have the the support of other clients going through the same thing. And they also have the support of our on-campus orientation and mobility specialist as well. Of course, one of the best things about coming to campus is also the delicious food. So uh, nobody ever goes hungry on our campus. They're wonderful at accommodating any special diets or um, food allergies and things like that. Just so you know, staying on our campus is very similar to staying in a hotel. Clients come to campus, they have their own room and bathroom. We have a dining area where meals are served, just like at a restaurant. There's a workout facility, a practice course, very, very comfortable quarters to come stay for that three-week time. Another option that we have is our in-home delivery. So while it's great if you can come to campus to really focus on the working with your dog and not having to worry about those home obligations, sometimes that's not realistic for everybody. So we recognize that. And an in-home delivery is when a guide dog mobility instructor would bring a guide dog to your home to work with you in your environment. So it's one-on-one -on -one instruction. It's much smaller in length. It's about 10 days. And this is for individuals who maybe travel in a very complex um, environment. Maybe they have work obligations. They can't get away from home for three weeks time and or family obligations, health concerns, things like that. That's what this in-home delivery is for. Excuse me. We also have our flex program. This is going to be kind of a combination of that on-campus and in-home option, um, again, specific to the individual needs, a little bit of both there. Our deaf-blind program is a three-week program, again, typically taking place on our campus in Rochester Hills. And this is for clients who are deaf-blind and communicating with American Sign Language, either tactile or visual. It really depends on the individual's needs. A lot of times in this program too, sometimes it's a client with a cochlear implant or somebody who needs just a little bit more processing time, uh, maybe smaller class sizes so that it's not so much background noise, things like that. Excuse me. <laughs> and then we have what we're calling our adaptive services. This is something new that we're starting to talk about, but something we've actually been doing for many, many years. Our adaptive services is going to be for applicants who maybe have traumatic brain injuries and need a little bit more one-on-one -on -one instruction, or maybe somebody who has a left arm weakness and we're gonna be training a dog on the right-hand side. So this is a very unique adaptive training and it's available to anybody who may need it. All of these programs, you can simply apply and check which ones you're interested in. And then once approved, our client services team and our guide dog mobility instructors and the applicant are all gonna to work together to figure out the best scenario for them. Again, completely free to individuals who are 16 years or older, legally blind, and have good independent travel skills. Of course, we have to talk about our orientation and mobility program. Again, this is going to be that long white cane training. And so on the screen here, we have a lovely photo of a young female walking with her cane out in front of her. She's crossing a street. And behind her is a female certified orientation and mobility specialist. So this O&M program started in January of 2002, and our goals is are to increase clients' skills and meet their goals of traveling independently, whether that be with a white cane or a guide dog. 
So one of the best parts about this program is that clients do not have to be interested in a guide dog in order to attend. We truly believe that everybody should be traveling independently. And so it's totally up to the client of what mobility tool they use. If they prefer a long white cane, absolutely. If they prefer a guide dog, we want to help them reach that goal as well. So this program is very unique. It's a residential program. Clients typically fly in on a Sunday. We work together Monday through Friday, and then they depart on the following Saturday. So during that week, clients are working with one-on-one -on -one with a certified orientation and mobility specialist, and typically receive anywhere between 25 and 30 hours of direct instruction. We're focusing on what their goals are and what they want to get out of the week. So similar to our guide dog program, we kind of came up with a couple of different formats in which we're delivering our O&M services. And so please note that I'm going to list all these off, but know that it's actually very individualized. So we created these options for a couple of different reasons. One, it helps applicants understand what type of training we can provide at Leader Dog. And two, it helps us on the other side, those of us looking at the applications, to understand what the client's goals are, or their applicant's goals are. What do they want to get out of this week? What are they looking for? What type of training? And so we've kind of developed these, but really it ends up being kind of a combination of multiple. So the first one being introduction to O&M. It's going to be great for somebody who is maybe just starting out on their rehab journey, maybe just lost some vision, is going to get maybe their very first cane. We're going to start at the basics, folding and unfolding a cane, changing cane tips. Uh, up and down the halls, in and out of doors, very, very, you know, basic skills starting from the top and then gradually adding on is their comfort level. The next option we have is O&M brush up. This is going to be for somebody who's maybe had some training in the past, but it's maybe been a few years. Maybe their vision has changed, physical ability, environment, you know, technology continues to change. It's always a good time for a brush up, especially for our longtime guide dog users who've maybe been holding onto the harness for a long time and are starting to notice uh, those cane skills diminishing a little. So we are here for that to help them or anyone. Next on the screen, I have O&M for guide dog readiness listed. This is going to be for individuals who do have that goal of working with the guide dog. We want to help them reach their goals. We're going to talk about realistic expectations of a guide dog. We're going to talk about the skills needed to be accepted for a guide dog and also successful with a guide dog. Uh, we also have our advanced O&M listed here. This is what we would consider maybe for individuals who are looking to travel in really complex environments or intersections, who maybe travel to unfamiliar environments all the time, maybe wanting to incorporate some technology into their travel. Lastly on the screen, I have in-home O&M. We're super excited about this. We now have a full-time O&M specialist who is providing in-home weeks of O&M uh, for Leader Dog, which is really exciting. So again, sometimes clients can't get to campus for various reasons. And so we can now start to offer that on a case-by-case -case scenario in-home to people. So this program is available to anyone who's 16 years or older legally blind, and there's no skill requirement. So really here, we're just looking for stamina to get through the week and work um, and walk, you know, for a period of time. Another exciting program that is fairly new to us, um, but we're super excited about it and have had a very positive response is our youth O&M. So this program provides O&M training for 16 and 17 year olds and education for a supporter. So like a family member, um, sibling, maybe grandparents, parents, uh, 
Um, and they learn more about blindness, the skills their loved one uses, and how to help in O&M goals. So participants of this program stay in a local hotel, which is different than staying on campus. And all of the expenses are completely covered by Leader Dog. So the week is very normal, if you will, for the students. They're still receiving all of those O&M skills in various environments that are important to the client. And then we also, again, have that kind of support person track. So we're educating them on what it's like to maybe have a visual impairment, giving them um, some tips and tricks on how to help their loved one, building some empathy and really some understanding. So again, it's a week long and it's very unique and it's scheduling throughout based on the participant schedules, but we are looking to offer this for one week in June, July, and August. So we're very excited about this program. Uh, the support people of the last time that came had very positive things to say about it. And it was great for them to also build a little bit of a support network. So meeting other support people and kind of talking through you know, what they're going through and hopefully building a relationship that carries on after the program. So on the screen here, I have a lovely photo of three of the youth O&Mers, three of their support people, and then three certified orientation and mobility specialists, and they are in front of our downtown Rochester Training Center. And of course, we have to share about our teen summer camp. So each year, we host a week-long summer uh, teen summer camp for 16 and 17 year olds who are legally blind and they come from all over the US and Canada. During this camp, we really focus on leadership skills, mobility options, of course, such as a guide dog, accessible GPS, and making friendships and memories to last a lifetime. We have so much fun. We go rock wall climbing, zip lining. In the past, we've done tandem bike riding. This last year, we had a zombie apocalypse. But honestly, the best part is just introducing kids to other kids going through the same things and building friendships and memories to last forever. Um, so it's an absolute wonderful week. If you know anybody who's 16 or 17, I highly recommend. It's also a great way, again, to explore that guide dog option. See if it's really a good fit. The teens spend a full day with a guide dog and a guide dog mobility instructor. So it's a great time to get all of those questions asked and really start to understand if it's something that they want to incorporate into their life. This camp typically takes place the last week of June every year, and we can take up to 24 campers. Applications are always up on the website and usually have a deadline of beginning of April. On the screen here, I have a picture of a teen summer camp. There are 14 campers kind of leaning up against a wall. They've all got their arms around each other and big smiles on their faces. I do wanna share some additional resources that we have. So those are really all the programs that we're focusing on that are taking place in person, whether on or off campus at Leader Dog. But I also wanna share some of our virtual offerings that we have. So something that we developed is our virtual learning resources. This can be found at leaderdog.org under the resources tab. And here you can kind of find a resource library for numerous different topics. We also created kind of uh, categories, if you will, or audiences that we're looking to inform or help with the resources. So the first one being our prospective clients. On the screen, I have a screenshot of what it looks like on the website. And prospective clients is represented by a photo it's of a close-up of a female, and she's wearing a leader dog mask with the top of her cane kind of sticking out. We have a photo of our graduates or a photo that's representing our graduates category of a young female sitting on a bench with a yellow Labrador. The third category is our family and friends or that support network. 
Here you're going to find a photo of four individuals sitting on a couch. In front of the couch is another female sitting on the floor with a guide dog on either side of her. And then our last category is blind rehab professionals. So other professionals in the field um, who are working with individuals with low vision or blindness. And this is represented by a photo of a female certified orientation and mobility specialist wearing a blindfold and doing a guide dog walk or Juno walk with a yellow Labrador and two guide dog mobility instructors are beside her. So just to give you some examples of some of the resources or videos that you can find in these different categories, you can find a guide dog readiness video talking about lifestyle impact and whether or not it's a great option uh, for, you, for you individually. You can find client testimonials, family testimonials. There's a really nice video on frequently asked questions where we just kind of answer all of our most asked questions. Uh, for anybody who is a professional and is uh, seeking continuing education credits through ACBREP, you can find those in the blind rehab category, completely free. Some really great videos on how to prepare a client for a guide dog, how to work with a client after returning home from a guide dog or with a guide dog. Just a lot of continuously uh, added resources being developed here. So please check back regularly as we're adding new things. I will say one of the highlights, some of the most popular videos on there is called uh, Unique Matching Process. So we did a full webinar talking about that very, very unique process of our guide dog mobility instructors finding a guide dog for each client. So meeting their individual needs and they kind of really broke down all the science and things behind it. And then of course, a little bit of just that magic that happens too. So really great resources. Please check back regularly as we are continuously adding more. Again, that can be found at leaderdog.org under the resources tab. Next, I wanna share with you about our collaboration events. These are an opportunity to spotlight organizations within the blindness and low vision field to learn about the services that other organizations and agencies provide. So of course, LeaderDog offers many programs and services, but we recognize that there are so many others out there of which our audiences and clients can benefit from. So we hold these collaboration events or webinars once a month. They're the last Wednesday of every month at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Absolutely everyone is welcome to join. Uh, to learn just a little bit more about what's going on out there in the fields of blindness and low vision. So on the screen here, I have a promo image that we use to promote uh, these collaboration events. And the picture is of a gentleman walking on a beautiful fall day with this long white cane. So beautiful fall leaves in the background. This one happens to be for Ira. So they joined to share about the services that they provide. We've also partnered with Orcam, the VA, American Printing House, Computers for the Blind, numerous agencies and organizations, and also products to really share what else is going on out in the world. So those can also be found at leaderdog.org under the resources tab. You can simply register and get all of the information. The last thing I want to share with you here is our new podcast. It is called Taking the Lead by Leader Dogs for the Blind. On the screen here, I have the Taking the Lead logo, which is of three cartoon dog heads, the first one being a golden retriever, then a German Shepherd and a Labrador, and they're all wearing large headphones over their ears. Underneath, it says Taking the Lead in big, bold letters, and it's all underlined by a long white cane. So this is a podcast. We put out episodes every Thursday, and you can find it wherever you stream podcasts. 
And our goal is really to bring awareness to issues within the blindness community and share stories and experiences. Our clients are doing amazing things that so we're sharing their successes, their failures, and all of that in between, as well as us as professionals and team members and volunteers. We're just sharing real life stories and experiences, and we're building communities and friendships and really advocating at the same time. So it's a great time. We really have a good time and we're learning a lot as we go. So check that out. It's called Taking the Lead. So thank you for joining today. We certainly appreciate you wanting to learn more about the programs and services that Leader Dog has to offer. I'm going to leave you with a little bit of contact information for myself personally on the screen here. Again, my name is Leslie Hoskins. You can reach me at leslie.hoskins at leaderdog.org, or you can give us a call at 888-777-5332. And of course, you can find all of this information at leaderdog.org. Thanks so much. 9.22 p.m. Wow. <laughs> a lot Thank of information you. there. It Good. is. Wow. I mean, they really. You have the only chair. thing she didn't say was if you already have a guide dog, can you bring your dog when you come for the mobility training? <clears throat> I'd like to know that. That's yeah, I, it is a good question. Um, I would. I would almost think that they wouldn't because probably not. I, well, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking that they would say, you know, like in between dogs. Because yeah. that way you can devote all your, because yeah. I have a feeling it's a, well, I think from what I understand, it's a fully immersed program, mm -hmm. immersion program. Like six hours a day. So yeah. And then yeah. you would be expected to utilize your skills at night and everything too, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and around the dorm and all. And so that if you six had your hours. dog, you, wow. yeah. So yeah. then your dog, okay. you know, you wouldn't be able to, um, you know, then you'd be using your dog, so you really wouldn't be using the cane. Right. I wonder if that oh. program comes with a hot tub at night for all the walking. <laughs> uh, I wonder if they have place. private rooms, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a seeing eye and guiding eyes. So. Well, she said they did. Oh, they did. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't yeah. Miss, miss that. So. You have a hand. I don't know. Do oh, it. well, okay. Let's see. Okay. It's Connie. Just Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, I've looked into the program myself, and the answer is definitely that they would prefer you not to bring your dog. But if you're adamant about it, you you can take the dog, but it stays in your room. And that's kind of sad yeah, <laughs> for yeah. the dog all day. And right. and um, so they prefer you not to, because um, I am definitely thinking about doing that. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. Too, you know it's, it's a tough decision there, but um, I definitely want to go get some more mobility before I get another dog. And I've had seven, so. Yep, same yeah, here. This is number seven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Great. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Thank you. But that was my input. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Was there another hand? Yes, Beth. Should have. Yeah, I was very impressed with that they had programs for people 60 and over, and they were still immersive programs. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like they have um, I don't think some of the guide, the other guide dog schools are that keen on accepting uh, seniors. Ours <laughs> is. Like, well, I go to Guiding Eyes and they yeah, do. I think and they have the deaf blind well. program and they have yeah. for other disabilities as well. Yeah. <clears throat> so. mm, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's I think it would be worth looking into. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
I've had a dog before. And I think it would, I wouldn't mind doing that again. Mm -hmm. I think I'd like to do that between dogs. Yeah. Yep. Same here. Any other questions? Anything else? I'm fading fast here. Late for me. Well, I wanted to thank Herbie. No one one is raising their hands. Okay. Well, thank you, Herbie. Um, for for stream you know for doing that for us and thank you um to you nancy for and both of you for staying on longer than we appreciate you were that. scheduled we appreciate yeah. it yeah we certainly do mm-hmm. that's great well so, bright and early tomorrow at 8 30 we start with the convention pitter patter again <laughs> and and uh, the panels start on at nine o'clock and we'll go all day until after the election, the election, the auction. You are tired. I'm thinking about Democracy Live. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm getting I'm more hungry than I'm tired. I'm going to go eat something. I shouldn't do it, but I'm hungry. So I'm so, going to go eat something. Yeah, so we'll go panels until six o'clock and then we've got and then dinner we'll and then we've got, banquet. and then we have, uh, a, an auction. auction so it'll be a long day tomorrow with starting us off at uh 8 30 and everything going off at nine o'clock so I, i'd like to thank everybody for their attention and thanks for, for, for sticking with us until 9 30 in the evening too yeah so it's great so i think we'll see everyone in the morning good night everyone see good you night tomorrow. everybody yeah. good night okay thank good night. you Terry. <laughs>